The bottom line is, if you're saying that you won't that that you won't stick with Fields and you're the Bears, you're saying that I can't get ten to ten to fifteen more percent improvement out of this guy because that's all it would take for me it to count him, much to count him in that echelon of guys who can, you can make a run with. And he you're also consistency saying consistency with what he's already doing. He needs consistency or or change. <laughs> The Greenlight Podcast welcomes you. Cowboy, take me away. We have a week 18 bonanza of a preview episode for you today. We go through the playoff implications for each game, what each team needs to do to secure their best playoff spot, their best potential playoff matchup, who they'll want to play in the postseason. We know there's some teams that are going to be sitting some players. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? We look at some of the numbers. We also look at some of the numbers in players' contracts, what incentives they have coming down the line. Some guys got big money out there. They just need one catch, a couple yards, one sack, a couple tackles, maybe even a win. It's one of our favorite things to do here. We want to know who's going to get that money. We also talk about the Pro Bowl, what players might have gotten snubbed, who is deserving of that honor. And it seems that everybody's talking about this particular topic. We talk about it too. Justin Fields, will he stay or will he go in Chicago? Is Caleb Williams coming to town? Chris, Kyle, Macon, and Bad Back Backy all discuss it on today. And we've got a little Stanford Steve best bets on the end. So if you're not sure what to bet this weekend, stick around and Steve will tell you. Y'all enjoy. Marshall, Virginia. Hello. Why? Now, uh, hometown of Blake Corum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. They keep calling it nowhere. It's not nowhere. It's Marshall. It's Marshall. It's, it's, it's just beautiful. It's just west of uh, D.C., which is a bit of a bummer. You know, feels less Virginia to us real Virginians. But it is a nice farm town. Lovely little farm town. Beautiful. He's kind of from that area that uh, Bajan's from. You know, they say he's a West Virginia boy, but he could be like a, a damn Virginia or a Pennsylvania guy. There's like a lot up of there, areas kinda... west of uh, Manhattan, New York, uh, where you go west of there and you end up in areas that are kind of like that area west of D.C. where it's not quite bumblefuck and it's not quite uh, city. Or yeah, no, no, no. Rural area. Yeah, they're tough. Beautiful, though. Going up to Penn State. I, I, I did not know there were so many, like, uh, hillbilly scenes in, uh, in, in Pennsylvania. I'm Pennsylvania sure. is like, there's a lot of backwoods in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. That's hey, we stopped state. at a gas station on the way to Pittsburgh one time, and I bought a Billy Joel VHS tape live from Yankee yeah, Stadium. Did. You did. Strictly late 80s, Billy Joel. Yeah, we, we took a trek up to, Ke- to see Kenny Chesney and uh, Eric Church and Chase Rice. Gosh. Two guys that I've been told I look like. Uh, so, actually, there's a guy on the, the hockey team, You're the Seattle Church Kraken. Did I send you that guy, the Seattle Kraken guy? No. The netminder. Yeah, it's The incredible. guy looks just, it, it's insane. Have you seen the guy? Larry the- Nance, move over. Well, it's only that angle, though. If you Google image, search him. He's, We're going to see him. He's Joey not. Decord. 
Joey Decord. You got to find a picture of this guy. Hey. Well, that's not the right one. Chris, I'll pull it up. Can you tell everybody who's in the room, Chris? Okay, every, uh, here are the people who's in the room. Bad Back Back, he's joined us. Kyle's joined us. Macon has joined us from the other, uh, the other office. Why, I, I don't know. I'm sick. Um, and I know what you're probably thinking. Hey, let me pay you a time and a half for last week when you were sick, time and a half for this week when you were sick. And I, I, that's fine, I guess. Okay. Let's, let's just, <laughs> All right. Let's do that. Getting a, getting a double bubble. Joey, no, that's not it. That's not it. There's pictures of him where it's like, what the fuck? He's the archetypical you kind of guy, the jaw structure. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Hair, but, but it's not quite a giant beard. Yeah, I just texted like it a, to the group chat. You texted the group chat. All right. There's so, a guy on the Blackhawks who looks legitimately exactly like I do. There's a guy on Detroit that looks a little bit like you on the Lions. Yeah. But he's. No, this guy looks more. Mean you're better Skipper looking does. than Skipper. Skipper also six foot nine. But when Skipper got mad, he looked like you when you get mad. That's Frank Brickowski. Yeah, I know. The guy's a fucking hoss. Playing basketball. <laughs> How long Playing are football. his thigh pads, dude? All right. So. How long is. Yeah, no, probably not. Judging by what I've seen in NFL locker rooms. Sheesh! Yeah. He makes it be nice to keep guys like Blake in state, huh? Yeah, it would be nice to keep Blake Corum in state. There's countless guys that we go back and talk about. Okay, so we've, we've said hello to Marshall, Virginia. Hello to any listeners in Marshall, Virginia. Uh, I've got a, a layup line. That's going to be Learning to Fly uh, from Tom Petty. Learning to fly around the clouds. What goes up must come down. A week or two ago, I was on the phone with Kyle. On the way home, I'm like, what you up to? And, you know, he's like, oh, well, I've been sitting here in my flight simulator for two hours. And I'm like, where, where do you find two hours these days? I don't days? know if I said two hours. Well, how, how, it was a while. You, you Whenever thrown... I get 30 minutes, I, I, uh, I can pause these flights that I do on Microsoft Flight Simulator. So the people I, in the plane are like, what the fuck? You know, I get to go do a little bit of a leg and then go downstairs and help out and then sprint back up there and do some work. But he has a sweet setup at home for a flight simulator, and he was describing it to me. Like, he's flown to Teterboro up in New York. Like on the, He's like, I flew to Teterboro today. Just got back from Teterboro. The way he talks about it. It. he's like a real pilot and i love it and i'm like really into it and kyle's saying he's gonna go take flying lessons soon in a cessna one time uh meg for my birthday i'm terrified of heights i'm terrified of flying i've gotten a lot better as the years have gone on i used to have to drug myself on planes you know william hayes used to fall asleep and sit on the window seat and keep the window closed and i can't tell you the amount of times i was like i just need the window open like that's gonna change something. anything like i want to see the ground yeah you know uh, but, but Meg took me, she surprised me and took me to the Charlottesville airport, like blindfolded me. I'm like, Oh, we're going to get busy. Nah, she's going to kill me. We're just going to go to the Charlottesville airport. She's going to take me up in a Cessna at like 3000 feet. And this thing, like we're flying over the mountains when there's a stiff wind, the whole plane moves. So like, I don't know if I'm really into getting in a Cessna again, Kyle, but my interest is peaked here with the flight simulator conversation Maybe I'll get a bush plane. Well, we're not alone here. Macon does have interest in general aviation. Macon and I were going to talk about it before the show. Chris said, save it. So here we are, Macon. We've saved it. I broke bread with a buddy from college who's uh, in the Air Force, did all kinds of crazy shit flying planes around and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And there was another cat at the table. And uh, I said, I'm going to start flying airplanes. 
I just, there's something inside me that says, go fly airplanes, like, you know, <laughs> take off and fly and land. And, uh, my buddy was taking me through it. He was like, when's the last time you've been in a two seater or a four seater? And I was like, I think only once in Canada, I was like 10 years old. He was like, well, if you're okay with being bumped around, like a lot, you can do it. And that's all I needed to hear. I think I'm going to be a really good pilot. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing. Chris is uh, Chris is like me. Like, I didn't start out well with flying. I always had a trouble with turbulence. And as a kid, I remember flying as a family. I just would close my eyes and just almost cry the whole time. Now, like you, I'm kind of into it. And, and the more YouTube rabbit holes I go down about what makes a plane fly, what is a foil, what are the updrafts and downdrafts, and, like, mountain flying. I was watching old 1980s instructional videos on how these guys used to learn to fly in the mountains because that's where all the accidents happen is when there's issues with the airflow and you're getting pushed around, particularly in the Blue Ridge Mountains back east, but out west a lot. It's at altitude, your engine works harder, uh, and it's harder to navigate some of these uh, terrains. But to your point, Megan, it's pretty easy if you're just down to get bumped around a little bit up there. I think we should go and make some content. We can go on a discovery flight. At CHO. Yes. At the, uh, what if Charles I lose Airport. half my staff? I- I'm going to let the professionals fly. Imagine how many here. hits you'd no. get on the live stream video of me and Macon going down. Going For sure. Down. Going down. <laughs> is that the only way to get them to go anywhere? Is they have yeah, to fly? Get, no, I mean, that's what he wants to do. He wants to die. No. <laughs> me? No. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't. Something and then once we get experienced enough, the planes get bigger, and then you just hit the autopilot. But I mean, yeah, the small true. guys don't have it. Once you get big enough, you're good to go. You want to know what I do? Here's what I do. When I'm in a plane, I try to time out uh, when the wheels are going to touch down at landing. So about 10 seconds out in my head, I'll start saying, touchdown, Virginia. <laughs> wheels, good. wheels. Wheels, Can wheels. You imagine wheels, your, wheels. Your pilot came on the, on the, uh, the, 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 whatever the fuck they PA talk to. Yeah, the red Intercom, phone. Yeah. And and they said touchdown Virginia. I'm just imagining. Hey, or you could do danger zone like our guy. I at the risk of some of these pilots do have awesome intro speeches. Like when you're getting settled into the airplane. Oh, some were really the good. Rundown. Like I can't think of any verbatim, but I know how some have made me feel making. And it's awesome to know, like your buddy, that there are these former Air Force guys, former Navy pilots who are just can't wait to get you as as <laughs> safe <laughs> and as fast. To where you're going, buddy. Uh, I have the story, and I've forgotten to tell it on this podcast. But me, my, uh, Tom, and and Badback Backy went out to see Willie Nelson at his 90th birthday party awesome. in, in Hollywood, uh, and we flew out there. Part of it private, and you know, we we hopped in a plane. We met the pilot, and there's like a five to ten minute period where, when you meet the pilot, you feel out like, how likely is it that this guy's on drugs, or that we're gonna die? Or that he's a real wild card, you know? Like, I always love it when it's a former military guy flying the plane because you're like, he's real type A. He's seen some shit, right? This guy rolls up, and he's, like, jovial. He's, like, your your drunk uncle. But he's not drunk. He's just really excited. This is how he is. This is how he is. We get in the plane. We start going down the runway. And when I tell you it scared the shit out of me, all of a sudden, on the PA, instead of his voice, it was music. It was loud as shit. And it was the Top Gun 
theme song. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Buddy, the whole, ru- the whole runway and the whole takeoff, we're listening to Danger Zone. During takeoff. Uh-huh. During take- and, and I'm like, man. Did he give you a good vertical speed there? I, I think he did good. He did. Oh, he was fantastic. Were you guys like, damn, But you do remember there. his name was on the side of the plane. He had his name right? on the side yeah. of the plane, bro. <laughs> That's his bird. Bro, that guy, like, oh, to me, that, that's perfect. a little too comfortable. And just knowing you guys, there's something about, like, when you see a pilot, you see him as a pilot. You're like, oh, that's the pilot. But just like Denzel in flight, the pilot lives, like, another 20 hours out of the day. Mm-hmm. And who knows what that pilot's doing. The ups and downs that come with being Macon's friend, like, what if it's a bad day? <laughs> yeah. You know, like. It's all ups, mate. These are it's human beings ups, flying these planes. If you don't think that pilots have bottles, they're pissing it up there. Well, they're definitely pissing in the bottle. They don't want to get up out of those little furry seats that they have. By the way, making pilot seats mm. look to be really comfortable. I've never been up there in the cockpit, but they've got like sheep skin, mm-hmm. sheep, uh, you know, it looks like a wool seat. The coolest thing ever was we used to, on the flights to like the West Coast with the Rams, you know, number one, I was medicated to get on these flights like i had a benzo in me a couple guys had benzos in them like we were we were back in the back of the plane like having a good time and then one time they invited me and robert quinn and william hayes up to to watch the cockpit how could you fit so we no, it's a big plane it's a huge <laughs> plane they called us up when we were flying over uh el cap and i could see el cap from thirty thousand feet in the sunshine like, you can't see anything. You, know, you see the Great Wall of China. Colin Kaepernick from, from 30,000 <laughs> yeah, feet. Yeah, exactly. Um, you could barely see him. He was down there kneeling. <laughs> okay, right all right. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about El Cap, dude. You're talking about Colin Kaepernick. Um, so, anyways. Uh, I've no. seen some of these pilots at the gate waiting to get on their plane. They're, like, slurping down a hot dog and a fucking latte just like a, I'm like, they're regular guys now. These planes fly themselves. You once told thing. your devoted staff that they were some hardworking motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. And you want me flying that plane? All right. You know who I don't want flying a plane? This is a fun one. Who are the bottom three NFL coaches that you want flying a plane? Number one, Dan Campbell. Do not want Dan Campbell flying a plane. Taking chances. What I saw ah. at the end of the game last week well. with the two-point conversion thing, like maybe we shouldn't fly through this storm. Uh, I could turn around now. I'm just going to keep going. You're going to get there. I got Sean McVay. You want him flying a plane? Yes. See, I don't want Dan flying a plane. I want Sean McVay flying a plane. I want... Uh, Matt LaFleur has pilot face. I want D'Amico Ryan's flying a plane. He strikes me as like a former military type. He might have a really... Uh, extensive pre-flight checklist. Uh, I want Bill flying the plane. He's better. Doing, flying the plane. He's better driving boats because he's a Navy guy. But I think you could take it to the air D- too. Mike Despite McCarthy. No, thank you. No, thank you, Mike. Bel- the- I don't want Belichick touching it. Why not? I, I think if something went wrong, he'd almost be like, uh, "What's that movie with um, Johnny Depp? The mob movie." Donnie Brasco. Donnie, Donnie Brasco. Brasco. You remember? You remember when he's cooking yeah. and the and, and, and the uh, the flame comes up? Yep. And he goes, oh no no, and he, and he goes to the wife. Here, you take care. of Yeah, yeah. I feel like Belichick you would think be like Bell that. Would call he, he would call be like, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 the I'm flight attendant. It. You can't say stewardess anymore. You can't I've say heard. stewardess. What is this country coming to? Uh, Pete Aaron Carroll. Rogers, hey, you can't right. you can't Pete say Carroll's a no. Pete Carroll's a no. Yeah, okay. Too despite old. despite the uh, Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski would be a great pilot. Has pilot face. 
Despite the family ties for Arthur Smith, I wouldn't want him flying. No, you're right. Because everyone would be like, oh, here's your autopilot. Here's this. Use all that. And he'd be like, no. Oh, hey, no I need all those He'd things. be like, you know what? All those That's cool things. One. I'm not going to use them. He, you know, he'd be, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to use all the cool things. Kyle Pitts, uh, you know, the in-flight, whatever, like, no thanks. But also the, the issue is with, with Arthur, Arthur Smith, like the FedEx plane crashed. Right. That's right. In, uh, in Castaway. My, my man in Green Bay Mike would Tomlin. look. Oh, Mike Tomlin. It might you be turbulent, but he hasn't not crashed. He already crashed. looks like the Mike Tomlin's plane has never crashed. He's never crashed. Kyle, it might be turbulent. He might take you through some yeah, shit, but man. like 17 years in a row, he's landed the plane. It's that prop plane that flies in Alaska regionally. The from Bush like, And he looked good doing it. And he looked good doing it. He looked good doing it with the aviators. Yep. Okay. Anyways, we're going to talk about somebody that, uh, I don't know how to tie this together. Uh, Chicago O'Hare, uh, big airport. Uh, there's also Midway, right? They're trying to land this plane in Chicago. They're trying to land a plane in Chicago, and they've got a couple runways they can hit. And, you know, some of them are a little dicier than others. And we're going to talk about Justin Fields because it was so easy, easy for me to get emotional about Justin after the game. And, like, I've been on this all year, so my confirmation bias has kicked in. And, like, yeah, I'm, I lean Justin Fields. But I've had a couple of days to think about it. Macon's had a couple of days to think about it. Make, what are your thoughts? More like Chicago O'Harrowing Descent International Airport in the Windy City. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you've used that one before. All right, so PFF, PFF says that the best players are drafted earlier and the poorer players are drafted later. That We've got that down. On the yeah. other hand, teams are really, really, really bad at differentiating between two players who are expected expected to go close to one another in the draft. The chance that a player is better than the next selection at the same position is 51.6%. This was like over a four-year span. It's a flip of a coin. And so when the I want I am here to praise what the Bears did last year and encourage them to do the same this year, which is essentially punt because I think that Justin Fields has shown enough. But what they did last year in handing Carolina the number one overall pick, a team that took Bryce Young, which it, it looks to be like they got the wrong side of the flip of that coin, and in turn you get uh, a number one, which they used on Darnell Wright. I'll, I'll defer to you guys on Darnell Wright and his Good year. Player. We love him. Yeah. A number two was Tyreek Stevenson. Good player. We love he's, him. He's rated higher than Keyshawn Nixon, Corey Ballantyne, a lot of those Green Bay Packers who were rightfully getting praise the other night. And they've got Jalen Johnson there, who's the number one rated corner in the league. Love him. Did very well in last year's draft. They got DJ Moore, which made that offense uh, a factor, at least. Yeah. He was a weapon. And then you turned it into a number one this year, where now you have the option to do quarterback, Marvin Harrison, or trade back down. Yeah. Uh, I think it just, you know, you hear the Herschel Walker trade, uh, Ricky Williams, Brett Favre was lopsided, Marshall Falk not so good, Trubisky, sorry, Kyle, Trent Richardson, Joey Galloway. I think this should go down as one of – Maybe not the worst on on behalf of Carolina, but one of the best on behalf of Chicago and Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham and those guys. And I, I think if they can make it work, you do it again. You see a team like New York at five 
holy smokes, would I love to go down to five if I were Chicago and take Marvin Harrison if he's there or or one of those edge guys, Latu, Dallas Turner, if you have five and ten. Brock Bowers. I love the tight end. Yeah, I you mean, said that the other day. You could do a Chop Robinson. You could do a ton of things at five and ten. Keep Justin Fields. Just keep mm-hmm. building this thing because he's just looked uh, pretty pretty damn good over the last few weeks. And you can you can tell us more about that, C Long. Yeah, man. Like when, when I I really like I said I got emotional with the Justin thing, and you know when when I said hey the decision's made and it's a little too flat, right? Like and Kyle brought up a good point, which is you got to listen to the offer. But it, my thesis on this thing is. It's mostly about do you fall head over heels in love with Caleb Williams where you, you can't talk yourself out of it or, or not, you know, because uh, it, like to me, the offer is irrelevant at that point. It's really about like if you're going to go that route, Caleb Williams needs to be Jesus in your eyes. Like that's how good he needs to be. And, you know, I took the last couple of days. I looked at Fields tape. I've looked at it all year, but I looked again. You know, people talk about him in the fourth quarter. I looked at all his fourth quarter snaps. Maybe it was Sunday, him dropping dimes in the snow. Maybe it was, you know, seeing this team over the last month. I mean, like, I turned on the All-22 the other day, and I couldn't see the fucking field. The, the first touchdown he threw was a dart. And, you know, like, the it's ball. It's also the worst All-22 footage in the league. It's terrible. Chicago's All-22 foot footage. Digress. Just move the fucking camera, dude. <laughs> um, and we also, everybody looks slow on that field and at that angle. And I hated watching us playing the Bears. But here's the reality. Like, I'm going to take you through this in my thinking. The reality is I am a sucker for guys who can operate when plays break down. I think that's a great differentiator. And that's one of the reasons why some quarterbacks who I think are very good quarterbacks um, on schedule and the whole thing, and not to go back to the Tua thing, but Tua can't make the plays off schedule. And so, like, yeah, I am biased. I'm biased by my taste in a playmaker, in a ceiling player. Uh, I watch the high-end plays I project improvement because of what we see with quarterback development all over the league. And when you talk about adding pieces, look what DJ Moore did for him. Um, You talk about schematic improvements or schemes that have devolved for teams. I mean, look at Jalen Hurts this year. Look at Josh Allen when Dable left. Look at all types of guys who are dependent, even the elite ones, on the surroundings. Um, You know, I look at Justin and I say he can cover up for some things. The reality right now with the Bears are – they're a playoff quality team. Okay, they're seventh in weighted DVOA, which takes into account your DVOA more recently. And they're a top 10 team when, they, when you look at that. They own Detroit. I think if they played Detroit six times, they beat them four times right now. They just beat a team who had their back against the wall in the Atlanta Falcons, who you know how that is, Kyle, a team that needs to play for their playoff lives, just beat Indy, routed Indy. They route that very same team at home. They beat the Cardinals, big whoop, but the Cardinals went to Philly Cardinals are and, and got it done. The Cardinals are they a tough team right up now. All year. And you beat them by double digits. This is not an easy thing in the NFL. Okay. 17 7, they had a lead against Cleveland and couldn't close it out. Okay. Like I put some of that on Justin, but I also put it on like that team's just ready right now. They could beat any team in the AFC. He got hit a lot in that game between that fourth and one where he got tripped up, up 17-7. They probably get that win if he, get, if he gets that first down early in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then that two-minute drill. Um, you know, like, they beat Minnesota when they were hot. How many NFC playoff teams right now do you think the Bears could beat if you just tr- teleported them into the playoffs? I think I they could beat the Eagles. I think they could beat 
The uh, I think they could beat the Rams. I think they could beat the Packers if they get in. Packers, I think they could Rams, beat the Bucks. Eagles, Bucks, Lions. I mean, it would they be could a, beat the Lions. Be they a crapshoot with the Cowboys, knowing how opportunistic that Chicago I don't know defense if, yeah. is. I don't know if they beat the, the Cowboys. The defense could keep them in that game. They do not beat it the Niners. It wouldn't be the Justin Fields game, but it so, would be the defense game. So I'm not, Kyle. I'm not trying to say that they'd win the whole thing this year. But what I am saying is they're a playoff quality team. So just know what you're punting on or risking starting over on yep. if you go a different direction. Like, how many teams could they beat right now? I think there's a couple of them, at least in the NFC. And people get on fields because of the fourth quarters, okay? Like I said, I watched every fourth quarter this year. The beginning of the year, he wasn't great. Okay, Tampa, you look at the end of that game, they're down 20 to 10. I did see the screen pass, okay? Like, the screen pass was terrible. And you look at it and you're like, what are you doing? But I'm also looking at Luke Getze, like, what are you doing? You just ran a screen to get off the, the shadow of your, your end zone. You get a holding that backs you up the very next play. You're back there at, like, the two and you run another screen. Okay, I did see on a key third down, there's two guys running the same route. You know, I also saw some really dirty pockets where he made some beautiful – throws to DJ Moore. The Denver game, I saw the fumble on the boot. That's a tough situation. Got to tuck the ball. But I also saw in a game where they're, they're tied with 2.45 to go, they, they decide to go for it on fourth and one after he scrambles to get you over midfield in a freak show situation, and you, you run the ball on fourth and one. So you, you, you get stuffed, and then Denver goes down and wins the game. And, you know, I, I've seen the Detroit fourth quarter where, where Detroit came back and won. In that game, they're up 26-21 under three minutes left. They take a shot to number 13 there, and he doesn't track the ball. So when you look at, like, quarterback rating in the fourth quarter, did he win that, that game? Scott, yeah, I remember that one. Like, it was like it's, a layup. That ball's right That's there. Layup. Ball's right there. He, he slowed down. He couldn't track the ball. So I could go on and on. And, like, the Minnesota game, he had the turnovers. He also led them to a game-winning drive. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like, Cleveland, I talked about that. All I'm saying, and I'm not caping for him in these situations, he needs to improve. But the team at times this year as a whole were not playing their best ball in the fourth quarter. It, it, you can't expect it to be all the quarterback. That Detroit game, they have a chance to go up like in a big way in the fourth. And there's one drive where they don't even give him the ball really back there. They just run the ball down the field and they run it on third and seven and they elect to kick a field goal. So some of it's a last, lack of aggression. Some of it's just not making plays. Here's the thing that I really take issue with. People projecting an unknown ceiling on Williams and May, but then capping his ceiling, Justin Fields' ceiling. I read a Solak article. I think Ben's great, but he capped his ceiling at like a just outside the top 10 type of quarterback. How can you say that for sure? You know, how can you say that for sure? You know, not to mention the floor. We've seen the floor with Justin Fields. I know what that looks like. Okay. I do not know what the floor looks like with a, a Williams or a May. And since 2010, since we're assessing risk, if you skip this year's quarterback crop, because I think that story's got to get written a little bit more. But since 2010, I identified six guys that you might justify moving on for fields for in this scenario. Mm. All right. And what's more is I only see one year where there's two of these guys. So you better be right this year to Macon's point. Right. So if you go back, the guys that I'm talking about are Burrow, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Luck, Cam Newton, and maybe Justin Herbert. That's six guys. You know, somebody could say they take two over him. I'm very, uh, you know, you know, I'm biased. Okay. And you could say, hey, Goff's been to a Super Bowl. You, you, would you take Goff over Justin Fields? You could say Wentz, Wentz had an MVP caliber season. I think that season is in Justin Fields. All right. So the rookie QB deal coming off this thing, that's something people bring up. You want a quarterback on a rookie deal. And I agree with that. 
And I hate when teams waste that window. But more often than not, it's quarterbacks that have gotten paid that win the, the, the whole thing. It's really still about your team. It's about, you know, who's got the best quarterback. It's not necessarily who's got the quarterback on the rookie deal. Um, also, over the next two years, what you're saying when you say, hey, it's a lot cheaper to, to go with a Caleb Williams. You owe Justin Fields $6 million next year. You owe him 23 the, the year after that if you pick up his fifth-year option. So that's $29 million. If you go off of, let's say, uh, Bryce Young. Bryce Young, over his first two years of his, of his, uh, of his career, is going to make, like, what? $16 million, something like that. So you're looking at a $13 million delta over two years. Okay? And, you know, the vast majority of uh, teams drafting a quarterback in the top five, see a coaching change within three years. Go look at it. Eberflus would be on the short end of that. If, if, if they don't play well next year, he's gone. Like, because if yeah, you what, just, is the, if, what is the cap next year? Playoffs are bust? I think they got to be in the playoffs even with a – if they make that decision – for Williams, they got to be in the playoffs next year because he's not walking into a, a crater. He's walking into a team that I just described. Playoff team. He's walking into a playoff situation. Um, also, if you talk about the difference in paying these two quarterbacks over the next two years, you're not telling me that some of the blue chip cheap labor that you'd accrue by going with Fields uh, would be cheaper than bringing in guys to replace those those assets mm -hmm. in free agency. So it's just not that simple. And I know I understand. But it's just not that simple. I think there's the intangibles that, that need to be talked about as far as you got DJ Moore saying this guy's the guy. That's a big one. You got, you, you got other veterans saying the same thing. The city really likes Justin Fields, and they want him to do well in Chicago. And that city needs that. They identify they really do. with him. They, they do, and that's part they, of the they, reason I'm jumping out of the gym because you watch this crowd. like they, they, You got something going Context here. is important. And what, it's like you're almost – you wasted the time that you took to develop him. Get him – all he needs is consistency now within the coaching staff, within the offensive coordinator, and you, you, why gamble when you don't have to? Well, so, so here's the deal, and you bring up a great point. You heard D DJ Moore. You've heard other players talk about him. If you bring in a Caleb Williams and he's not great right away or his, or his attitude's not great or people don't like his work habits, you could lose that team. You know, like, it, it, and then you're starting over with a coach, that sort of thing. Look at the Jets. That's a team who went out of their way to go get a guy who that they deemed was talented enough to lead their team to a Super Bowl eventually, and that guy's been riding the bench. I mean, and, and even worse. You don't know what you don't know. So imagine you passed up on Justin Fields for Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. Imagine you passed up on Justin Fields for any of these guys that, that I didn't mention that have struggled. And I, listen, I'm the guy over the last two years who said Caleb Williams just can't miss. So I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but I also know that I'm not in that room. Context is important, though. Chicago, with the locker room, with the things they've said, with the way the fans reacted last year at the stadium, or last week at the stadium, it's a really – it's a strange brew, but a good one going on in Chicago, and I mm -hmm. think Justin is – I mean, Justin's the answer but for the that. But the problem is – the problem is with me projecting some ceiling on Caleb Williams like anybody else. We have full access – to all the information we need on Justin Fields. Now, we don't know what his work habits are like in the building. We don't know if people like him, but all the, the signs point to they love the guy, um, and he is playing better. Caleb Williams, there's a whole process that's invisible to us with this thing, and so I don't know what Caleb Williams is going to turn up when you – or Drake May. Like, we shouldn't just say Caleb Williams or Michael Penix or any of these guys. Having said that he's can't miss oh, – We're not saying anything bad about Michael Penix. Yeah, no. Having said that Williams is can't miss is short-sighted because it is – I, I outlined the risk assessment part of this, which is 
even guys that we thought in the past were can't miss, they, they've been misses. And so he better be Jesus. Is his backup uh, draftable? The USC backup? That guy. That's another thing. It's like the backup comes in He broke in there a passing record. I was like, so, so everything's complicated. If you trade Fields, you're probably going to trade him between, like, say, Atlanta. They could win a division with Justin Fields. Yeah. So there's that. That puts more pressure on you. And what's optimal? If you, if you bring in a, a Caleb Williams, Kyle, and I've said this a bunch of times on this show, you do not want a rookie quarterback with a defensive head coach in an ideal situation for two reasons. Number one, you just want a, a killer offensive play caller at head coach. Number two, if he's not your play caller, you might lose your, your, your dynamic coordinator if Caleb Williams has success over your first two years. We've seen that regression when guys lose those coordinators. And so guarding against that, I'm like, so if you want to bring in a guy like this in a burn the ships move where like there's no going back and I were to ask you what's optimal and you were to say, yeah, offensive head coach, what are you going to do? Well, we're going to keep flus. Okay, well, what you're telling me already is that you're not really creating the optimal situation. Because that guy could be gone. Because that guy could be gone, the play caller, in a couple years. And, now, is and, there a way to have a guy – so, like, you and me, we want to coach, but we don't want to be gone all the time. Is there a way that coaches can kind of carve out these deals where they're like, yeah, I'm the coordinator, but I'm safe, like I'm unhirable, for, or I'm getting paid this much here, so the job is that much more attractive for well, me? Well, I guess you could overpay a coordinator. You know, that sort of thing. And is that worth it? I, it, I don't, I, I haven't seen teams been able to do it. You know, I, I so I'm not sure, but, but like here's some. out of my right brain. To, to lay it, I got some right brain stuff for you here, but the options are before we wrap this thing up, you could walk out of the 2024 draft. If you go with fields, you get two firsts, you get a DJ Moore type quality player. If you, if, if you get the right guy, right, which is a known commodity, you get a second day pick. You've gotten Stevenson, you've gotten Johnson in those situations. You know how to draft and you get your first. Now, if you go with Williams, what I hear is for fields is like a two, four and a six and you get your first. So that list is a lot shorter of the assets that you accrue if you go with Caleb Williams. So he better be great. Uh, here are the fun situations I dreamt up. These are fantasy world situations. If you were going with Williams or if you were going with Fields, you could hire Ben Johnson away from the Detroit Lions, kill that team in your division, double whammy. You got the right coach. Here's my favorite thing that, that I dreamt up last night that I actually think I would do if I were the Bears. If you're not positive about Matt Eberflus and Brian Dable gets fired, you could either bring him in as a coordinator or make him the head coach because I believe he's the big quarterback whisperer. I, when I think about Justin Fields, and this is another thing, we talk about the numbers with Justin Fields. People down him because of the numbers. We down him because of stats. I read a ton of articles that are just like stat, stat, stat. QBR, completion percentage. Quarterbacky shit. This, field, this year, Fields was 22nd in QBR. You know what Josh Allen was after year two? And I know this is after year three for Fields, but people have different shot clocks. Uh, and also Josh Allen in the same system for two years. Now Fields in the same system for so two Josh years. So Josh Allen after two was what? 24th in QBR. Okay. What do you think people thought the ceiling on Josh Allen was early in his career? Okay. Like, is he a different guy now? Uh, Fields misses some balls. You know who else misses some balls? Fucking Josh Allen. Everybody. Josh Allen missed 15 balls mm -hmm. the last two weeks. You know why Josh Allen – you know why there's a short list of quarterbacks I'd take over Josh Allen? Because of all the shit he can do with his legs. He's that different. And obviously he's a thrower of the football, and I think Justin could be that too. People say completion percentage, not high enough. Okay, it's around 60. You know who won the MVP with a 59% completion rate? Cam Newton. Mm. You know what Cam Newton's QBR that year was? 61. You know what his best QBR, his QBR year was? 61. 64. 
You know, uh, uh, people could say, yeah, but those guys are special athletes. Let's compare them to more of a pocket passer. Okay, and this is somebody that I actually saw written in a Bears <laughs> blog. They would take over Justin Fields as Trevor Lawrence. Are they not watching football? Okay, Trevor Lawrence, in his good year, year two, his QBR was 56-1. You know what Fields was year two? 56-3. So my point is, when you're projecting a ceiling on a guy, be careful. Um, and, and that's the reason I like Brian Dable. Like, if there were a situation where Brian Dable becomes available and he'd be your coordinator, I would, I would, I would tell Luke, hey, appreciate you, but this guy knows how to get the most out of this type of guy. And don't you think an offensive coordinator would love to come to Chicago and, oh my. and, and be with Fields? I mean, that, think about a desirable job. Yeah. I mean, that's... You could look like a genius. Like you, Sean Payton, who was sitting in the studio last year thinking to himself, I have the keys. But think, about, the and, and, yeah. hey, think about it. In, test. Yeah. Justin Fields, that test seems a lot easier to me. That's a lot easier of a test. And, and think about it in this. Point. If they do switch and go with Williams, is that job as desirable? As, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty desirable. I, I, I'm not saying – but I, as an offensive coordinator, I'd rather deal with Fields and get, have a new guy coming in. Well, it's an unknown. Uh, it's, it's part of what we're talking about. It depends on how you feel about – the and the confidence of, of these coaches. You've also I, presented I, yeah. the options as one or the other where it doesn't <laughs> have to be that way. You could draft Caleb and keep Justin. <laughs> Holy the, the, shit. The last thing is this. Can you imagine that? The last thing is this, okay, and this is a, the last fun situation, and it's kind of a sidebar. Okay, if you were to do either of those things, people are saying, hey, Eberflus, he's the reason you are where you are. Their defense turned around. You know what they've been playing more of? Cover three since they turned around. Those corners can play cover three. So scheme, you know, like you got good players on the field. And then the wild card, you know, Matt was bringing this up, was you don't need to pick one or the other in this situation. You can trade out a first. You can repeat the Carolina Hall. You could trade out again. You could go to three and trade out of three. You could draft a Michael Penix Jr. If that's the guy you love, that's the real ace in the hole. You could get a bunch of assets. You could, and people would say, hey, Justin Fields, it'd be disrespectful. You know, Justin Fields might not be able to handle it. But if he can't handle it, maybe he's not your guy. Here's the, here's the thing about trading him now versus trading him next season, in the middle of the season. Next year, tell me who the best quarterback in that class is in the draft. It's hard to say. And it's not the same as this year's class. And if we know anything about trading a guy midseason, you're going to get some assets. If Justin Fields comes back and he's not the guy, and halfway through the season you're like, we should punt, there's going to be a team looking at the draft class and looking at the way the NFL is going right now, the way quarterbacks get hurt, somebody's going to be desperate. Sam Bradford commanded a one and a four when he went from Philly to Minnesota because Teddy Bridgewater hurt his knee. Mm -hmm. Okay, And you know Jimmy G was worth a two to San Francisco at the deadline. So I'm not saying this is what I do, but these are all things that are on the table. So the bottom line is, if you're saying that you won't, that, that you won't stick with Fields and you're the Bears, you're saying that I can't get 10 to, 10 to 15 more percent improvement out of this guy because that's all it would take for me it to, count him, much. to count him in that echelon of guys who can, you can make a run with. And he you're also saying that... Consistency with what he's already doing. He needs consistency or, or change. You know what I mean? Like consistency or superior coordinator coming in. You're right. And we, we've talked about this many times is he needs to be able to complete a drop back passing down when everybody in the stadium knows he's passing. Well, He, he hasn't been able to do that. He went out and did that in the snow. But, but on a consistent basis. And I, I think another thing you got to talk about is what's his relationship with Harrison Jr.? I mean, they were at school together, right? Yeah. I mean, 
what is there a connection there? Are they excited about that? Is that a possibility? Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow turned out pretty good. And so I, you know, like you look at all this, and I'm not one more time. I'm not saying I know the answer. Nobody knows the answer. Mm-hmm. Nobody on the planet knows the answer right now to this question. What the right side of this thing is, um, and oh, maybe oh, there's a couple guys on the south side. I think they right know for sure. And there's <laughs> and and both sides could be the wrong way, and they might just be up Shit's Creek no matter what. But the bottom line is. You, if you can get that little improvement out of him, um, you know, great. On, on the side of Caleb Williams, if you're arguing for Caleb Williams, Justin Fields' durability is something that concerns me. You know, but then, you know, if you're looking at Caleb Williams, he's six feet tall. He might be six feet tall. And this is the thing, Dan Orlovsky talked about this, and I have no issue with short quarterbacks from a standpoint of, like, I think shorter guys can find windows if they have good vision. I, you know, but there are guys that are shorter that have a hard time staying healthy and who are smaller, more slight, have a hard time staying healthy. Um, so the durability thing, although he has great escapability, it might be a wash. I, it's, it's an unknown for me. Um, the quarterback's under six feet. That, that guy, Drake May's a physical specimen. You could go with Herbert. He's the Herbert second coming guy. You know, like, but the bottom line is for me, you run the risk of losing the locker room if you make this, if you're losing the city, losing the locker room, you're getting fired. But that's the reality for a GM. And most of these coaches and GMs get fired anyways when they make these picks. So, you know, like, are you going to roll the dice or are you going to play the safe card? And I, I, I don't envy the decision, but Ian and Ryan have done a great job in Chicago. So I trust them to make the right decision. I'm just telling you why. I'm playing devil's advocate for people that think it's easy to look at a generational talent and say, well, this guy's got a middling QBR and a, com- a completion rate that's not great, and some of the numbers aren't great. But when I watch the, the film, he makes some rare throws, and he does things for every time he misses a pass. He also gets you out of a backbreaking situation on third down, and that's the differentiator for me, and I am biased as a rusher. When you get ready to play Justin Fields – that week, a lot of air is taken out of the meetings talking about the specimen, the athlete that he is. And it's functional athleticism, okay? And when you get down on the field and you see a guy like Justin Fields, he's bigger and faster than you think. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's hard to project his ceiling. I like to see the comparison of Lamar Jackson and him first three years. Lamar's first year little slower, right? Kind of how you did with the Josh Allen. I like the Yeah, it's Lamar's that. first year a little slower. I get into those QBRs and that sort of thing, but but I'm almost arguing those metrics like from a standpoint of be, I'm being intellectually dishonest cuz I don't even care as much about those metrics. I watch the tape. That's what I need to see. And you know, I think with some improvement, this team could be a, a win a playoff game next year. And that's mm-hmm. and that's what you're after. You win a playoff game next year with Justin Fields if before the start of this season you told me the Bears are a playoff team at the end of the season. What do you think people would have said? Well, you're keeping Justin Fields. Now, they're not a playoff team, but they're that good. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's complicated, but I'm playing devil's advocate here for some. Okay, and There's excitement in Chicago. Either way. I mean, which we're sitting here talking about Chicago Bears football, and they're not it even It gives a people team. something to wake up and be excited about. It used to be people dreaded football season, and they also – enjoyed bitching about the Bears. Now they enjoy talking about all the things in the future that are going to be exciting. They're good problems. Yeah, it's good. And that's, problems. Good for, that's good for the NFL. Whatever you're looking forward to this football season, there's one thing that pairs well with every great moment, and that is an ice-cold Miller Lite. Whether you're at the stadium, playing fantasy football, or watching the game at home, 
or at the bar, Miller Lite is here to make your football season taste like Miller time. From kickoff to the clock runs out, you can't go wrong with the Miller Lite in your hand. It's the only light beer with a taste worthy of our national obsession. Because what's the point of having beer if it doesn't taste like beer? I go to Dirty Nelly's every weekend. Sometimes I'm prepping for the show at the bar on Saturday night, watching a little college football, getting ready to lay out our Miller Lite moments. Uh, I like to have a nice cold Miller Lite right next to me. And the folks at Dirty Nelly's, they know when I get there to have my ice cold Miller Lite. It's got only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounce serving with a smooth taste and a crisp, clean finish. You get the taste you crave without the calories. So this season, crack open a light beer that hits your taste buds so hard, you feel it in your heart. Make it Miller time all season long. Get Miller Lite delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com greenlight. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for 12 ounces. All right, so that was Justin Fields. I won't talk about it again until... But that's everything I feel like you need to know about Fields. I can't... I'm no college scout. I I can't sit here. I'm not Todd McShay, but McShay's wrong a lot. Kuyper's wrong a lot. And so that's my point. You see the list of guys from Mahomes draft? Like when they were like Brugler and all those guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't know. Nobody had Mahomes. Nobody knows. Okay. So here's another piece of news that came out today. Pro Bowl rosters were released. I don't want to go through the rosters and be like, I don't, I don't know why that guy made it. Because that's, yeah, that's, that's haterade. As, as Nate would say, that's hate. So we're going to talk about the guys that we think probably should get. Because when you talk about the Pro Bowl, and some guys that make it, they deserve it. You know, some guys that make it, they get in because of the fans, and you know it's kind of an imperfect process, but I think there's some guys who deserve recognition as Pro Bowl caliber players. The coin just didn't flip their way. There's a guy that probably was never going to make a, a Pro Bowl in Tennessee. His name's Autry. Um, he, he's a defensive lineman that moves up and down the line. He's kind of a tweener. He had 11 and a half sacks this year. I've always liked his game. He was never going to go to Hawaii or wherever the fuck it is, Orlando, but I just wanted to shout him out. He had a great year. He's a high smith up in Pittsburgh. I'm a big fan of his. He's great. He's got to connect with him earlier this year. Got to know his dad on Twitter a little bit. I think people discount how important he is to that defense and what a good rusher he is. He had double digits. He's been a real force. He came back when he was hurt. I forgot who they played that week, but he had a, he was a huge monster, he made a huge impact, in monster game. impact. Yeah. TJ Edwards, linebacker, Chicago guy who had a great season, ton of production. Out of out of TJ um, and a lot of guys on that defense, Jaquan Brisker, another dude back there. You mentioned Jalen Johnson earlier. A number of guys. If Montez Sweat had played the way that he did at the end of the season, throughout the season, he'd be an all. He pro. made it. He made it. But though. he'd be an all pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know when that stuff comes out, but you know, like he had more sacks than Bosa. He had more sacks than you know. There's yeah. a, he had more sacks than 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 Hutch, who made it. Like I actually think when you look at the NFC, he had the best year of any of the defensive ends. And I also think it's interesting looking at Washington. I've been saying this for three years. That's the best guy on their 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 group it, on the edge. And pe- some people laugh me off the stage when I say that. But it, it played out even after the trade between the Niners and Chase. And by the way, Chase Young, second in Pro Bowl voting. I'm not downing the guy because I've sung his praises. But he's got six and a half sacks. You know, like this is a fan thing at some point, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like, I just want to give the guys some love that didn't get in. Legereus Sneed, Kyle. 
about Billings in Chicago, defensive tackle? Legereus Need, obviously great. We always sing his yeah. praises. But a guy we haven't mentioned is Billings, and he's going to be uh, – A lot of it them. seems like name recognition. Like Justin Tucker got in even though he had his worst year. And Justin might tell you that. Yeah. You know, and, and it is. It's name recognition, it's team, it's market. But, but also, like, you know, I was talking to Fred Taylor because he was inside the NFL, and, like, on a totally different scale – this guy's been waiting to get in the Hall of Fame, and he wasn't angry at all, but he's like, you know, I played in a market where, you know, and there were some Pro Bowls I didn't make because of that market. And so, you know, like, I look at JOK, and he gets kind of overshadowed in Cleveland. I thought he had an incredible year. The backer there, um, Amon Ra didn't go. Winfield didn't go. His dad's on Twitter like, what the <laughs> fuck? Um, but and but Buda there's Baker had like no stats. Buda Baker had no stats, and we love Buda Baker. He's very. Uh, I don't, you don't know Buda Baker. <laughs> I don't know Buda Baker, but but I would say Winfield. I, I thought Baker. deserved to go. You know him in real I life. Threw him one time, like eight yards. Oh, <laughs> well, do you know the story about what happened here? No. So one time, Buda Baker had a a chance at a pick six, and he got caught by DK. And like after the game. I was kind of like, oh, man, Baker, Buda Baker's never had a pick six, but I said he's never scored a touchdown like that. He always gets hawked, and I feel bad for him. And game of telephone, Cardinals fans telling Buda that I'm talking shit about Buda, and Buda's like, Chris Long doesn't know Buda Baker? <laughs> and so, so anyways, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like all caps. I reach out to Buda on Instagram, and I'm like, dude, like, I actually, ironically, I think you're an amazing player, you're like one of my favorites to watch. Uh, kind of got lost in translation there. I was just talking about the pick six. I chucked him. And I, and I said, Buddha, like, when you get a pick six, you got to come on the show. You know, and he was like, totally cool, bro. I appreciate it. I figured it was something like that. And so I don't know Buddha Baker, but <laughs> I, but I do him. think Antoine wrong time, Winfield. Wrong place. Huh? It was a t- we ran toss to the right. He happened to be there. He was in the no, wrong place. No, we part get it, assignment. Kyle. We get it. You chucked him. You it chucked him. <laughs> You don't want him to say Kyle love, Long doesn't. I love when little guys come in the box, though. Yeah, <laughs> they, get to, to meet, they get to meet us. Yeah, it's true, especially with the new rules. Yeah, if you to play the with rules. the new rules, what do you, you mean? They can't cut you. Oh yeah, they can't cut me. Yeah, that's one less thing to worry about. So um, the new rules. I'm not thinking about rules ever. So I want to talk about. We, we, talk, we talk, I know you're not. We talk about Pro Bowl. <laughs> what? As we're, as we're getting into these previews, I just want to mention some incentives. So we're sending mm-hmm. some positive juju out to some guys who can make a lot of money this week. Incentives, week 18 is one of my favorite subplots in the NFL. For offensive linemen, it's mostly like playtime or sacks allowed or something yeah. like that. But for us... It's like, are you healthy? Yes. The guy's healthy. Give That's him good. Extra, Get paid more. Give him some cheeseburger. Uh-huh. Okay, like, I've been in two scenarios where, and I've talked about them on this pod the end of my New England run, and so forgive me if you've heard this, but for people who haven't, end of my New England run, you know, I'm a rotational guy there, but I'm playing a lot of snaps. I had like over 500 snaps, and, you know, it's the last week of the year, and I'm like, how do they do things here? Because I got like 25 more plays, and I make a quarter mil. And I'm like, Bill, he's a savvy businessman. Like, they're not going to let me play that long. And I think I hit like 28 plays on the dot. They kept me in. I got my incentive. So thank you, Bill. You're the man. And then the other one was my rookie deal. I think I had like a seven-figure. You're going to look at some of these seven-figure bonuses for one more sack. I had seven and a half on the season. It was like year three for me. And we're playing San Francisco. It's Christmas. And in the fourth quarter with less than two minutes to go, I beat Anthony Davis, take the ball off Alex Smith. We win the game, and I'm on the ground going like this. <laughs> and people are like, man, you know, like, what a play. You're really happy. But I'm just thinking about 
You're doing the money man. I'm doing the money man sign. So these guys know. Climbing are so funny. We are funny. And and D Hop knows. D Hop knows he needs seven receptions for 250k. And this is the the big whopper here. So if you want to play some D Hop, uh, you know, over receiving whatever. Matt was on this earlier. Forty nine yards for a million dollars. He's going to be scratching and clawing. He's not running out of bounds for shit this weekend. D Hop, I hope you get it. Um, two touchdowns for another quarter mil. OBJ, you're not going to get these, right? Because they're, they're resting guys. But five receptions for 250K, two touchdowns for 250K, 185 yards for three quarter mil. And most importantly, this is the guy in Baltimore that I think could make an incentive or two this weekend. My boy, Nelson Aguilar, 58 yards and a quarter mil for him, 10 receptions for 250K. How many screens is he going to get this weekend? Uh, maybe not enough. I got an incentive story. Yeah. Because, you know, we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Me and Becky were talking about this before the show, about incentives. And he asked me the same thing you did. You know, incentives probably weren't that big for you. You're no lineman. I'm like, yeah, it's all about those big money guys. They want to throw touchdowns, catch touchdowns, sack, sack quarterback. touchdowns. And it got me thinking about, you know, what did I think about this? And it was a lot of it was playing time, right, as an offensive lineman, percentage of snaps you're out there. If you make the Pro Bowl – if you make an all-pro, yeah. if you play this many snaps in the playoffs, those are the things we deal with. But one one thing we also deal with is D-linemen, and D-linemen have incentives. Yes. And I remember, I think it was week 17, back when week 17 was the last mm-hmm. one, we were playing in Minnesota. I got a game ball for this game. It was after I broke my foot. I spent eight weeks off, and I came back in. And in that game, Sheldon Richardson, I believe, needed – a half a sack to get a million bucks. And I didn't know that, but dad did. Mm-hmm. And dad, and dad <laughs> let me know on like Wednesday, hey, mm-hmm. just a heads up. This guy's hungry. This guy gets a million bucks if he gets a sack or half a sack. So leave no doubt mm-hmm. like type deal. And I remember like that was the only thing I was thinking about the whole fucking game was this guy wants to get a million bucks so bad. And if it wasn't Sheldon, I think it was Sheldon. In 2018, yeah. but if it wasn't him, whoever it was, didn't get his money. Right, and the funniest thing is, like, we ran the ball for 180 yards in the yes. first half, and we ran it 30 more times in the second half. Can you imagine? Like most people can't imagine this, but being the only thing between a 330 pound man and a million dollars for 60 minutes. Ugh. Like yeah, honestly, you should. Those are the stakes. Ball. Those are the stakes for O line. It yeah. was a team game ball, by the way. Yeah. Well, you guys always get. It the, was the like group. the O line gets the. You game. guys yeah, get yeah, the group yeah, game yeah, ball yeah. for sure. Let me ask you this: Is there in the locker room or in meetings? Is there any kind of unwritten rule? You know, kind of like in baseball, if a guy's throwing a no hitter, you kind of leave him alone. You don't talk to him. Mm-hmm. Is there any type of unwritten rules as far as like? Not talking about your incentives or no. that's something you brought guys up. Guys are smart are, enough. Guys are talk, we're talking about it yeah. nonstop. Guys in the NFL aren't smart enough. Maybe. We're talking about it nonstop. Now, the one thing, there's unwritten rules. I talked to DeForest Buckner about this, and this ties into money because these are sacks that eventually can trigger incentives. I asked DeForest Buckner, I said, what's, and I asked a lot of D-linemen this, what's the code on when you have a sack and somebody else gets it, one of your buddies? Because there's a whole process after the game where we turn these sacks in. We send them to the league. And what happens at the end of these these deals is sometimes you get the sack and your buddy loses the sack. So in the D-line room, some of these are your best friends, right? Mm-hmm. I remember after we beat the Giants, I sacked Eli Manning. I come in the locker room and Holodi's sitting there. He's like, you might want to talk to Michael Bennett. 
And I'm like, uh, I'm like, what? He's like, he was just walking through here talking about turning that sack in. Stop. <laughs> so I spent two hours trying to find Mike. Couldn't find him. He was doing some Michael Bennett bullshit. He was at the league office. He was like getting a, a pedicure somewhere in the building or something. <laughs> and I'm like, Mike, what are we doing here? You know, like the whole thing. Luckily, I was able to keep the sack. There was another one where James Laronitis had a, a half a sack, and he wanted to turn it in. But I created it, and I went to, to James on Monday. I go, bro, like, what, what's your number? I'll pay you whatever you want for this half sack. You know, because a, a $5,000, $10,000 investment in half a sack turns into potentially a million dollars yeah. if you have certain incentives. Yeah. So there's a whole kind of code with that. Um, for defensive linemen. And one guy who, who, if he gets one more sack this weekend, gets a $750,000 check, that's Jadavian Clowney. This is my You're favorite. his ass. Yeah. This hey, is hey, my favorite. That, <laughs> that sack on Eli wasn't against Deal, was it? Uh, no. It was, right, like, it was the night before Luke was I born. So it was my last shit. year. But <laughs> Slayton has one more catch for $2.5 million. I am going to be glued to that situation. Can you imagine if he drops the ball in the second half? He hasn't touched the ball yet. Drops the ball in his hands. The pressure on this cat to catch the ball this weekend is going to be immense. Baker gets a million if he gets in the playoffs, so there's a lot on the line there. Ooh, him and Mike Evans, both uh, the last going into last week, they were both two touchdowns away from career best. Yeah. There's a lot of this, – this part of the season's fun. You get, it is you fun. Get to, you get to really quantify how well people have yeah. done relative to their – and Kyle it's a left shoot. out a couple of Pro Bowl snubs. Uh, Roshan Johnson in Chicago, Vellis Jones down there in Chicago, Robert Tunyon in Chicago, Zach Pickens in Chicago. <laughs> That's funny. Kyro I get what you're doing. Santos in uh, Chicago. Uh, I see what you're doing. This you is done? funny. Mooney should have probably got a nod. Yeah. 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 I got yeah. a I I got a Chicago O'Hare story. <laughs> so Butch Butch O'Hare. That's who it's named after. Butch O'Hare was a naval. Uh, war um, hero. Admiral? Yeah, uh, he was a pilot, okay. obviously. Like us. Planes, mm. correct. So like us. His, dad, his dad was Al Capone's lawyer. No way. So his dad felt guilty about being a bad example for his kid and ended up turning in Al Capone. And that's how Al Capone got caught with tax evasion and from his lawyer and... Butch went on to be this hero and, and, and claims that, you know, he changed how he looked at his dad and all that stuff. Wow, dude. O'Hare's a great airport. Great airport. That's where I first had airport sushi, which I think is actually an okay thing to have. Do you know how Butch O'Hare perished? Plane crash. Plane crash. Stop it, dude. Oh, yeah. It was in a war, and but... Definitely yeah. not too soon. I mean, it was yeah. in a war. They were shooting Yeah, at it was okay. in a war. He was getting shot at. Let's uh, talk about a, let's talk about a war. He was probably doing sick barrel rolls at the time. <laughs> let's talk about the first war of uh, Week 18, shall we, Meg? Aaron yeah. Rodgers versus Jimmy Kimmel? Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! It almost took too long to bring that up. Come on! No, nah, we're Make, talking What do you about, think about that? Number one. If you said I was on a list with a bunch of child molesters, I'd sue your ass too. Hell yeah. Thank you. That's and the I, funniest thing about all the Aaron Rodgers supporters, and I'm not I'm not making this an anti-Aaron thing, because I think we've handled every Aaron thing pretty even even handedly. But like all the Aaron Rodgers supporters are like, ah, it's just a joke, you pussy. No. <laughs> I'm like, what? What kind of a joke is that? <laughs> like <laughs> Hey, fuck the suing, I'm gonna sue you, you sue me. 
Tell Jimmy Kimball, I'd be like, dude, hey, Aaron, I'm going to come kick your I'm fucking fuck ass. Him up. <laughs> How about that? that? Achilles let's go, feels let's good. Let's go a little old school here, Jimmy. Yeah. And Stan, I, that's, I mean, I'm going to sue you. No. I'm going to kick your fucking I'm ass. I'm going to meet you on a private island. Have, I don't think have that's some Whoop you like a redheaded stepchild. Have some fucking balls. They need to have a fight at an island. Yeah. Kimmel Island. Kyle, do either of you anticipate being on the Epstein list when it's released? No, <laughs> no but earlier, I what texted it, somebody. I said, send me the list, please, because I can't find it. And then the guy responded and said, worried about something? And I was like. Dude, you know who's on that list? Cowboy's on that you know, list. Let me just say this. This is the last thing I'm going to say about the list. Uh, hey, meet me outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't see you. See, I like outside. that. There yeah. we go. This is the last. The this is the last. Aiden's I respect the that. Here we go. First war of uh, week 18. The tide okay. is low. But Stephen F. Austin Washington. and UT Rio Grande okay. Valley. Okay. And okay. I am not surprised that the Vaqueros are now 4-10. and 10. You guys okay. suck. You give up a, an 11-0 run in the final minute when you had Stephen F. Austin beat. You, you. Is this college basketball? Yeah, this is when we were us degenerates this week. We're it's midday college, college this basketball. This isn't on the rundown. I had Navy college basketball Yeah, that's last a rough night. one. That, that was right. tough. Get us it was in the intercontinental night. of the United States. Get us, yeah, <laughs> at least it's not foreign tennis. Hey, Saturday night. <laughs> Texans at Colts. Yes, C- now we're C- talking. C.J. Stroud has averaged 275 passing yards per game and has had six games of 300 or more yards with 20 TDs and five interceptions. It it it, it screams Texans, and the line has moved that way. Why does it feel Colts? It feels this Colts. This is the first time these two teams have been on primetime, right? Like, this is the first time yeah, yeah, that yeah. we're all able to see them after the babies are down, I think. Maybe. Yeah, that's true for and both it, of them. And it's great. I think it's great for the league. I mean, obviously, the new quarterbacks, we've talked at length about young quarterbacks in the league. We're without one of the stars in this matchup, but still, Shane Steichen has made this Minshew's team. a star. So much right. fucking fun to watch. And Minshew, which is funny because the novelty of Minshew a few years ago, he was the reason to buy tickets. Now it's Shane Steichen's brain and this roster, but it's going against C.J. Stroud. My favorite inside the NFL mic'd up moment that I saw this year so far was Gardner Minshew getting shit talked to him by Max Crosby, who on our show I forgot when when we asked Max who the flyest white guy is in the league when it came to the drip, as in the outfits, um, he, of course, said, like, Travis Kelsey. And I'm like, I, I like Minshew's outfits. Like, yeah. I, I get into some of those outfits. Little-ass boy. He didn't really react. And then, and then when they played last week, he called him a little-ass boy the whole game. And the funniest shit was Minshew went over to the, the sideline and was like, that Crosby's an angry dude, man. <laughs> he goes, he goes, he just keeps calling me a little-ass boy. Stop. And he goes, I said, I might be little out here, but I'm not always little. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the guys on the, on the sideline are dying. But I, I think the biggest weapon that, that the Colts have is Shane Steichen. Like in that yeah. game, in that first game, you know, they got out and jumped on these guys. And, and they've been as good as anybody in scoring touchdowns. The first drive of the football game, I think that the start of this game is going to define how this game goes. And, you know, I think, I think it's the rushers getting home. Like the Texans got close a lot in that first matchup. Since that point, they've gained a lot of notoriety up front, and that includes getting Will Anderson back last week, who had two sacks. 
And I want to take this moment to mention that it's clear to me that the NFL doesn't want my guy, Jalen Carter, to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. I thought I had this thing locked up all year. Who they got? Well, the, the odds have tightened. Right now, I think, I think uh, Jalen's like a minus, minus 300. And Will Anderson's now plus 400 or something plus like that. Plus 275. Plus 275. Like, I, I went to bed. They get this guy, Seth Seth. Part Wall of the pussification of the Philadelphia Eagles. They're dragging their boy down. Right? They're, bra they're dragging their boy down because the NFL, number one, because of the racing thing, does not want him to win defensive rookie of the year. And because Dom is touching players. And because Dom's touching players. And then also the fact that the Eagles are no longer good, so they're applying this standard that's higher for the Eagles uh, than it is for the, the Texans. The Texans are hot. Will Anderson got two sacks last week. Will Anderson's a really good player. I've done nothing but sing his praises this year. And people want to put up Jalen. This is how stupid th this thing's got. Like Ari Miroff and one of these aggregator sites, I see the other day they're like, Jalen Carter stats this year with like three eyeball emojis. And he's got six sacks and 20-something tackles and, and, you know, like this, that, and 30. He's got a touchdown against Dallas. But to me what it is is the tape. This guy is dominant. He like I know I'm being selfish and saying he should win defensive rookie of the year, but the truth is he's the best defensive rookie. You know, and you look at the stats, okay, Will's got seven. If he breathes on Minshew a lot this this Saturday night, I'm afraid that they're gonna give it to him. The other guy that they haven't even talked about is the guy in LA and Kobe Turner. Yes. Who has nine sacks as an interior lineman. He's got a really good inside move. He does play next to Donald. He's clean some stuff up. He's got as many up. sacks as Aaron Donald did his rookie year. You know, and so Which he wasn't tells me enough right there. He wasn't even on the, the the ledger until like last week. And so I don't know what's going on with this award, but one thing to look at as a as as a theme here is What's going to happen in that race? Um, I, I lean Houston. I really do. I think, I think with the quarterback they have, you trying on my tactical gloves. These are fucking sick. Yeah, they're sick. Um, I, I lean Houston because in a game like this, I lean quarterback, and I wondered how C.J. Stroud would come off that concussion that took two weeks. You know, And it looks so bad for them, down all those guys against the Jets. But last week, they looked really good. They obviously have injuries outside. But I still think they can win this game. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I lean over for sure. It's like 47. And I think whoever wins this game obviously is going to be the biggest group of Titans fans in the world. And maybe my fly on the wall is locked up right now. It's this team throwing a party, watching, knowing they're in the playoffs, playing with house money as fans. And, and if Jacksonville loses to Tennessee on Sunday – in that situation, they win the division. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, like, I, I just cannot wait for that game Sunday. There's so much pressure on Jacksonville, Kyle. They have not played their best ball. They looked good with Beathard, but that was the Panthers. The defense played better. I just think Mike Vrabel's such a – you know, we talk about Vrabel spots. This is a Vrabel spot, man. I, I told myself the last two times that Vrabel had Vrabel spots and they pissed down their leg that I'm done saying the phrase Vrabel spot. Well, here's the deal, Kyle. You want to fade you, you, you want to fade a Vrabel spot if there's been like three in a row that have hit, but now two in a row This is a hit. Peterson point. A Peterson point. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I, listen, I, I think the Titans – have a great opportunity to play spoiler and you know like when you think about like the the mental advantage a team has titans have the mental advantage here i mean they're playing with house money they're not going anywhere and vrabel loves these situations so uh looking forward to that game for sure all right all right dog but to kyle's point they have lost seven of nine I, no I mean, question how many how many is have jacksonville lost in their last seven four since you five, guys are doing math five okay five of their last seven 
They've won one W one is their streak. One one. Yeah, but but how many out of their I last think seven? Five of their last seven. Okay. One two three four. They've they've lost four of five. And so my point is, there are two teams that are ailing, and one team knows it, and it's real. And the other team's just not very good. But I don't know that the, the Jags roster is that much better than the Titans roster. <laughs> I I do not. You know the way it's played out with the injuries, and they get what are they getting Kirk Kirk back? The balls are back. They getting Kirk back, or who are they getting back? He's off the IR. It's unclear if he's. Playing. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Nuts intact. Let me mention Nuts a guy. Intact. Let me mention a guy. Thirteen and a half sacks. Name's Josh Allen. First double-digit sack season since he was a rookie. Fifty-five tackles, twenty-seven pressures, two forced fumbles, and a pick. Nice year for that. Josh partridge Allen. and a pair. I don't think he's going to the Pro Bowl though. So, you know, like he might not have gotten snubbed because I think Max should get in. Trey Hendrickson should have been like second in Pro Bowl voting. He's, I mean, the year he had was unbelievable. Um, and then in the AFC, you also had, um, I'm probably Miles Garrett, who was going to get in no matter what. So that's one of the situations where it's like Josh Allen was a Pro Bowler this year, but these guys were just so good, you know, and, and, and so, um, I feel for him. A victory would give Miami its first AFC's title since 2008 and a top two AFC seed for the first time since 1992. Its first 12 win season since 1990, but they've slipped just a little bit since being nine and three on December the 3rd with a three game lead over the Bills. Now it's tightened up. One game separates them. Winner gets the division. I think there's two things right off the bat with this game. You talk about mental edges. I think the Bills have one. Uh, it depends on what happens in you know the Baltimore Pittsburgh game, which is so interesting. That's earlier in the day. We talked about you know Kyle being flexed to Sunday night for Miami and 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 uh, and and the Bills. And yeah, we you, lose that one. CBS loses that game. That sucks because I would love to hear Romo talking about Josh. You know, but we're gonna get Sunday night Josh Allen, and we know what's at stake for them. If if Pittsburgh wins that game, we're gonna talk about that in a minute then they got to win or they don't get in, basically. And for the Dolphins, the, the range of possibilities are you go to Arrowhead to play that team you lost to at Germany, or you know, you're, you're going to be hosting a playoff game and winning a division. So it's for the division. It's for real playoff implications. You rarely see something like this as for the division and the, the stakes are so, you know, like what could happen is such a difference for both teams. And I think Miami struggles in these spots. And I think Miami's proved that by by when they played the best teams, when they played at night in prime time, when they, when they played the Bills. The Bills kind of owned them. The, the game they beat, the Bills, the Bills had a lot of guys down. Hey, listen, I'll make the same excuse for the Dolphins here if it turns out that the losses of Chubb, Howard, Mostert maybe, Waddle for sure, um, you know, really make them non-competitive. Like, these are real things. There's you know? too much there on the, on the defensive side in Miami for me to get on board in any way for this team. And also, I see the house fire. The house fire thing. Tyreek, they said, by the way, I, this might have been one of those aggregate accounts, but they said it was a kid with a lighter. So keep your lighters up deal. high, everyone. That's crazy. Uh, but I will say, finding Vic Fangio finding a way to get after Josh Allen, and we've seen in weeks past, even if you do have a green light, a green arrow, unobstructed path to the quarterback, getting Josh down is the big issue. Yeah, It's not getting to Josh all the time that's the issue. So I think that Aaron Cromer, his run game, we saw they tried to go a heavy, two weeks ago, they went heavy James Cook. You know, they, they gave it to him 20-plus times, but he fumbled it twice. Yeah, um, Josh Allen doesn't have to do a ton to win these games. 
give it to James Cook. You have to get in that rhythm going into the playoffs of being able to beat teams on the ground, sucking the life out of the play clock, the time, the game clock, um, and then playing defense, getting after Tua, um, limiting their options. If Tyreek's not out there, if Jalen's going to be hurt, Tyreek's in a boot. I mean, you, you got, the the writing's on the wall for Miami. Go be who you're supposed to be, Buffalo, and let Josh be a freak on the big downs in the red area. You get an additional blocker with Josh with the ball in his hand. Do that. Keep it simple. Yeah, I mean, Kyle, I don't think they need to do anything <laughs> crazy. In fact, I think the last game plan could work for him this week, and I know that's a different Buffalo team that, that drug – uh, the Dolphins in Buffalo, but like, you know, they don't need Trey White to play the same game plan. In fact, I think Rasul Douglas was such a lifeline for them. He was a scheme fit. He's ball aware. He's a good dude. He's a good player. Um, you can take away the flats and the edge. Cover two, corners playing up. That's what they did the first game. And when you take away the edges and the flats with Miami, then they got to work certain areas of the field that maybe they're not as comfortable doing. And Tua can be a tick late. Also, like, you think about cover two and that increasingly big void if you play up and that honey hole gets a lot bigger. They did that the first game with Waddle and Cheetah out there. You know, there's one less guy. You know, I, I, I would take that trade off losing Trey White and one of those receivers. I think that tilts Buffalo's way, especially with what they've been able to do to replace those guys. Um, you know, we asked why Howard didn't travel with Diggs the first game, and Diggs got after Kohu. You know, Howard's not playing. Is Ramsey with him being back? And that's another thing. I should say that. Ramsey's back. So you lose a corner. If you're Miami, you gain a corner. Same thing with Buffalo. They lost a corner. They gained a corner in, free, in, in, in a trade. Um, but is Ramsey going to travel Chris, with how Diggs? much more communication is going on pre-snap if Ramsey's travel? So – Let's let's say I'm playing linebacker on the other side of the field from Ramsey, and you're Ramsey. Yeah. Okay, Diggs goes in motion. Now you come trotting in behind him in motion across the offensive line of scrimmage. Now you're on my side. Now, not only does your location and responsibility change a little bit, mine does too. Yeah. Backies at safety. Communication, pre-snap. So I feel like with all the guys that are working in and out of this roster, whether it's guys on the front line or guys on the back end, if Ramsey travels, that, they have to be so fucking dialed in yeah. on, okay, I'm coming over here. Are you good? Okay, you stay there. Yeah. Stay there. I'm Reset, here. whatever. Thank God I didn't have to do that part of it. And that's that's the easy part of it. Yeah. Now you got to go cover these bad Yeah. Yeah, no, it's tough, Kyle. And, you and make, react to the run. You make a great point. Run. I think if they do decide to do that, then the guys that are being dependent upon have to talk. And, and by the way, Micah Hyde can get <laughs> 250K with one more pick. Uh, maybe he's the guy that seals the game. But I, I see this as being... You are at home. I see this as being an under game. Which is nice. The total's so high, Kyle. It's like the Dallas game. They got it up in the 50s. I think this is a game where 20, 20, 25, 26 points wins this game. Cook should get 23 carries plus. Um, and but he's got to take care of the ball. No turnovers, man. Yeah, that's the way, here's the way Miami, because I've done this Extra whole thing. From, it's, it's running the football and running it inside, which is something they, they haven't done as well as running on the edges. Um, it's taking care of the football for Tua. Uh, and, and I think Sean McDermott staying out of tough, bad situations where I know he likes to bring pressure, but being, being precise. Because I've seen situations where he'll dial up a great, 
timely run blitz like some of the ones that he did against Dallas. I've also seen situations this year like the time he heated up Russell Wilson. They lost the game because of that. So, you know, I think I think it's all that stuff. And and we get to Baltimore and Pittsburgh, which is of course happening before this game, and we'll tell you everything you need to know about what's at stake Sunday night. Mostert and Achan both dinged up this week for Miami. Yeah, Achan too, which is a bit. There's so many injuries. It's gonna be the Claypool game. Claypool game, dude. I'm... I just got done watching Claypool in Chicago oh. early in the season. Get him. Steelers are at the Ravens. This is the first game of the weekend, Saturday afternoon. Pittsburgh favored by four points. Totals thirty-five and a half. It'll be Tyler Hunt, Huntley, and company for Baltimore. All I'm saying is. If you're Harbaugh, Kyle, and I know this doesn't work this way, but if you're, I am if you're okay, you be you be John in this situation. I am John Harbaugh. Okay, if you're John Harbaugh, mm-hmm. okay, can I be Jay Harbaugh? You can be the dad. <laughs> All right, hey dad, dad, what do I do? Dad, what do I do? I'll be Jim. Dad, what should John do? Uh, if the Steelers win the game, then you might not have to deal with the Bills. Uh, should we just lose? To the Steelers, so there's a, a higher chance that the Bills don't get in? We don't lose. Yes. Uh, yeah, lose by, by, and sit all your guys down. We don't so. lose. No. But that's yeah. not a Harbaugh thing. To I do. don't agree with sitting down players at the end of the year. I'm, We're on the other side of this. What, Kyle, the fuck are you talking about, I, son? Kyle, I'm okay. <laughs> hey, Dad. Is he talking to me? Yeah, Dad, 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 yeah. Dad, listen, Dad. I will risk. Dad, yes. I will go fuck you up. Jack, Jack, do you, hey, Dad, Jack, do you remember? Yes. Do you remember a couple years ago when, when John, he, uh, you know, you were getting ready to play Tennessee in two weeks and you rested everybody and then you look like dog shit against Ryan Tannehill, who you wouldn't yeah, draft over Justin Fields because I did that he's, exercise? He's, he's learned how to now <laughs> deal with the sit-down week. And bounce back. There's so much momentum in Baltimore. And also, it's not a meaningless game. To your point, you can go and fucking take a piss on the Pittsburgh Squealers. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, this is your golden opportunity. So you're saying play those guys maybe a half. I'd say go out there, play them, establish dominance early, and then go put them in the, you know, put them on the sideline. And and here's the go break their spirits by beating them with the backups. Tyler Huntley can do that. Yeah. I I not only want to beat them with the backups, I want to beat the hell out of these guys. Okay. Okay, so, snub Tyler so, so now, yeah, right. So, Mason Rudolph's going to come out there slinging that thing. So, I mean, since Mason Rudolph's been back, the Steelers are third in the NFL in EPA, and they have zero turnovers. Yeah. This is a team that's not only, like, against our starters they, or our backups. They could be like, no, they could give you a run if, they, if the right version of the Steelers show up against your starters. And you want, if you're Mason Rudolph, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if you're going to go on this magical playoff run. Uh, if they play like they played against Cincy, they're kind of dangerous. But, you know, like what worries me about the Steelers <laughs> is the backers and some of the injuries they've had on the back end. Um, but Mason Rudolph wants to stay in the conversation next year. And he wants to stay in the conversation for other teams. And so there's a lot to play for, for We're for running him. out of seats. And with Tyler Huntley, you know, He's not the backup you want to see. He's won big spots for him. He's competed in some spots for them. He's played in games that mattered for them. Uh, Browning, the first game they played the Steelers was 16-10. Zappy beat the Steelers. DTR beat the Steelers. So, like, there, there's no foregone conclusion that Huntley's not a, a guy that can beat you. And so all I'm saying is it's I don't know what the motivations are. I know what they are for the Steelers. I don't know what they are for Baltimore. And Macon, you, you weren't here on Monday, but we pulled up stats because I know when Brandon Staley got Mike Williams hurt, 
I was the guy that was like, hey, I'm not just going to automatically, because an outcome went that way, blame Brandon Staley because I really do think there's something to guys playing a little bit. And I thought when we were in New England, we had to, for a half, play because there were other things going on simultaneously. I thought it kept us sharper going in the playoffs. And when we pulled up the stats, Reed, Reed had these stats. Uh, they, they were the, every team that played in the divisional round um, that had a bye, that rested their guys since, I don't know when, it was so, like... 2005. And it, <laughs> like 19 and 30? Was it, that it? It, was, it, was, um, it was 11 and 14... Uh, if they rested, and then 30 and 10 if they did not. Mm. So I'm not saying that, hey, that, that, that... That's all we're saying. That's all I'm saying, you know? Um, if they had secured the all... They, have, they had all secured yes. the bye in the final week of the regular season. Yep, they'd all... Those, those, are, those are staggering numbers. They are staggering. I was staggered. I've been staggering all week ever since I heard those numbers. But You it, know what else is staggering? An object in motion stays in motion. That's true, when Kyle. You stop an object, it's, you got to expend extra energy that you may not have in week 20. And you know what that leads play. me to? is, uh, is the, and, Oh, one more thing. on Nugenics. <laughs> one more <laughs> thing on the Titans. Here, here's something interesting about the Titans. This goes back. I, I've been waiting to do this, and maybe one of these days I will. But if you were a Tennessee Titan, or say you were a, a Houston Texan, I'm looking at StubHub for this Tennessee game. You can buy a ticket in the, in the upper row for $15. Now, that's no Carolina situation where they're giving them out like candy. But you're going to tell me these guys can't pull together and get 20,000 Houston fans <laughs> to that stadium in the event they win? Fucking get some Greyhound buses and pack that thing. The Rams were 3-6 and six at midseason. Since then, they have only lost an overtime shootout with the Ravens. Two of Sean McVay's most important players in offense, Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua. Sean said that they're going to allow Puka to set a rookie record, but pretty much everybody else is going to sit down. Uh, same with the Niners for the most part. Which is so interesting. Um, and I actually I actually have reason to believe that San Francisco is going to play some guys early. Uh, and, and I had heard that, that Stafford wasn't playing, and I rushed to the book. I got in the Niners a couple different ways. I, I kind of wonder what McVay's thinking is because of what we've talked about, but I, I tend to trust Sean because of the, the Matt Stafford thing. Like, um, and on both ends of this thing. Like, the Niners might not play Purdy at all. They might not play him very long, and I actually think that's a good situation with Darnold because look at the NFC Championship game last year. You need year. Darnold to be ready. Dar and Darnold looks closer to being ready than most yeah. backups, and especially in that offense. So I don't have as much of an issue because that's an insurance policy that building that in actually would have done you good a year ago. Um, what's McVay thinking with Stafford? Maybe like, hey, the fucking guy's old, and I have all the confidence in the world in him. I don't need him to get reps this week. The Carson Wentz thing is interesting. You know, that we're going to see Carson playing again. Hopefully that will um, be like his Baker Mayfield opportunity like last year. It will, but it also says something really interesting to me, and that's this, that McVay's not worried about the six or the seven seed. So interesting. It's like he doesn't care about the difference between Dallas and Detroit. Or maybe he likes a matchup better. I don't know. And this is the thing that goes through my head. They went to Dallas in the middle of the year and lost crushed, 20. But they're a totally different and team. You know, the very last thing any Detroit fan is going to want to see is Matt Stafford coming to town with the LA Rams. Exactly. So I don't get what 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 he's doing, but I trust him. Um, 
And this will be an interesting one. I mean, like, there's this case in point why it's hard to handicap these games this weekend. I do think it – I do think more Niners players will play. I think it's a classic Shanahan spot where Jordan Mason will run for 130 and two touchdowns. And um, it'll seem as though you can plug and play anybody in there. Niners are favored by four, yeah? Yep, is that four. The number? It's hovering around four. Four with a total of 40 and a half. So um, it is very interesting because I, I think um, certainly everyone anticipates Dallas to beat Washington and get the two seed. We're doing a three-pack of upset specials, Cowboys at Commanders. Hmm. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, very good season. Mike McCarthy still doing everything he can to screw things up. We've given him his flowers. You can't give, you can't hand a team 40 seconds like that, Mike. You can't take a timeout away from Brandon Aubrey like that, Mike. Mike screwed up the end of that game. Got lucky, got bailed out. Cowboys commanders. Cowboys commanders, oh, I, think the, I think the question here is because there's three teams in similar situations. One plays first, right? Uh, Detroit, Minnesota in the 1 p.m. slate. Detroit, Philly, Dallas, they all have something to play for but they're all kind of watching the other games. I mean, like Detroit does not have the liberty of watching the other games. They're going to play their asses off. Um, but I, I do think they're the one team out of these three, and maybe that's not a hot take, that could lose a game here. Um, well, I mean, listen, what's the difference between this matchup and the matchup a couple weeks ago? It's at home for Detroit, but what's the difference? The, the, the what happened... A few days ago, I think. Which could be good or bad, but the point is, like, you'll be sweating this game. I know you're going to give it out in locks later. I think, I think you will sweat this game because Minnesota's still dangerous. They were able to move the ball with chunks at will at times in that game. And so, like, the secondary played better. You got Garner Johnson coming back and the whole thing. But CJGJ. But, but, but this is a tough group. And, you know, they still have a chance to get in the playoffs. I just wonder – because of the way they played last week and putting Jaron Hall in that game, if they really want to go that bad, you know, like, so that's the one thing for me. Um, CD Lamb got after you last week, but the defense played a lot better. Detroit's not going to know what happens with Dallas and Philly. Um, you're coming off that big meltdown. I do think it might be tight for a little bit. And Philly and New York, I think Philly plays guys, and I think they try to run them out of the building because they need that vibe going into the playoffs. Um, so I, I think Philly wins the game. Dallas and Washington, because of the situation, you know, like I looked at last year, and it was kind of a similar deal where Dallas and Philly play at the same time, and Dallas is playing at Washington, and they need Philly to lose to, like, the Giants. It was exactly this. And it wasn't going to happen because Philly was actually good then. And I don't know how quickly they pulled away in that game, but Dallas ended up losing that game at Washington 26-6. to and Dak did not play well, okay? Like, it wasn't like he was tr not trying to play well. Um, so I worry about Dallas on the road a little bit. Um, That's always a tough place to play, Washington. Except fans yeah. of both teams are going to be rooting for Dallas. Like, any Washington fan wants that second pick. No question. And I think that's the wild card is, like, Washington really doesn't gain anything from winning. You talk, we're going to talk about it with New England later and that whole scenario. Um, but there are two home games on the line here, so they got to come out hot. And the first, first game, I thought Washington had a quick game answer for them throughout a lot of the first half. They just couldn't finish. So who knows? Who knows, guys? 
Philly hasn't won by more than one score since beating Miami the week before Halloween. NFC South. Bucks at Panthers. Falcons at Saints. Who's going to win the division, fellas? I think it's going to be the New Orleans Saints. That's my bold prediction. That's a bold wow. prediction now. I definitely bet the I definitely bet the Panthers to cover as soon as I heard Baker Mayfield's got a rib and he wasn't mm-hmm. practicing during the week. Um, I think the, the, the Panthers, the Thurs, can cover. I don't know if they can win, but if What's I had to go line? out on a limb. What's the line? The line was like six yeah. when I got it. Thurs. The Thurs could hang in there in this game. They and played them tough last time they played. They had a lead, right? They had a lead. Yeah, dude. I, Tampa Bay ended up coming back in that game, I believe. It's so easy to some Mike Evans magic. It's so easy to get out over your skis, and I've done it with the Bucks, and I think they're a good team. But like, this is a tough little spot, and you know, like, there was a situation a couple years ago where the Colts got uh, they had to play the Jags the the end of the season. I think it was the Urban Meyer year. I'm pretty sure the Colts they got hot. I think that might have been the Carson Wentz year in Indy, but I, I don't remember exactly. So correct me in the comments, but. The Colts got hot. They needed to beat the Jags, one of the worst teams in the league, to get in the playoffs, um, and they didn't. And Carolina has no reason to lose in this situation. Right. And, you know, like the last four games, the Bucks played Carolina. There were three straight wins from uh, the Bucks by a combined uh, 55 points, and then Carolina benched Darnold and Mayfield, started P.J. Walker, and they beat Brady 21-3. to So, like, Nothing feels safe Forgot if you're a Tampa that. Bay Buccaneers fan. I like I got that from the Bucks Reddit. So you know, I totally empathize with you guys down there in Tampa. You have a really lovable sense of like, hey, shit could go wrong. Yeah. I, I like that in fan bases. Um, I I don't know if it goes wrong, but here are the things that have to be good for you. The interior had a rough game last week. I think Derek Brown's been really good this year. Um, you got to be good there. Couldn't get the run game going and. I think from a storyline perspective, this could be it for Mike Evans in Tampa. I hope it is because I hope he's a Kansas City Chief next wow. year. Wow. That would be so much fun to watch, those two guys who would be so in lockstep from day one because they're such pros. Pros, pros, man. Can you imagine? A couple pros, can pros. Can you imagine? Oh, I can because I've been thinking about it. I can't. Oh. So, I, I don't know. I don't think for sure that New Orleans wins the division, but I think they're going to win this game. I mean – it comes down to who do you trust, right? I trust Tampa Bay. I trust Baker Mayfield to win that game. Easy. They'll cover. Okay. No problem. Okay. Ain't no, ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. And then, obviously, I've got New Orleans because I just don't trust Atlanta. Well, that's the thing, man. Like, it, it, we said this with Atlanta when they played Indy. I was like, well, who do you trust? Do you trust Shane Steichen or Arthur Smith right now? And right now, I guess the question would be, do you trust Smith or Carmichael? You know, the the offensive play callers of these two teams, and I'm not sure what the answer there. Do you trust Heineke or do you trust Carr? I think the guys outside in New Orleans are pretty good. And I think at times they've played really well. Um, you know, the second half of the season, there have been some flashes. So if you got to trust a team in a big spot, there are guys on this team that have been in the playoffs. You know, the guys that – there were guys on this team that were on the field for that, that, that bad call where they were close to going to the Super Bowl. Oh. There were guys on this – this team that, that have been there and done that. So I kind of like New Orleans here. If Atlanta shits the bed, is that Arthur Smith's last game? It's got to be. Man. And, and earlier in the season, they are like, yeah, he's safe for next year. But, I mean, it can, it can always he get out there. He was preseason coach of the year, odds on favorite. And, and, and late in the year, when they said that, Kyle, you know, it almost felt like it was, it was the, 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 the conditional thing that was built in was like, you got to win your division. And it was almost like a foregone conclusion at one point that they were going to be the hot team and they were 
playing better than New Orleans. They were play, playing better than the Bucks, and now they here they are. They were a hot team. They were the only palatable team. They were the, they were the lukewarm team. Yeah. If you can get lukewarm in the NFC South. Room temp. If you can get room temp. Ugh. Games that Derek Carr's 10 of his last 13 on uh, third down, which may or may not be true, but I did read it. <laughs> That's actually a good stat. That's a good stat, Meg. Way to go, Meg. He's hot on third down. Thanks, guys. Hey, five games. Grab bag. Where do you want to go? Seahawks at Cardinals? Seattle Seahawks are favored by two and a half points. What does Seattle need to get in? It's like a million things. I mean, you don't have to tell me now. It's I'll try to the Packers to lose. Them. I'm going Arizona. So Packers lose, they get in. It's that simple. If they also, if they also win. Yeah. Okay, so we should be talking about this in the NFC as something that's legit. And I, maybe the question is, if you're in the NFC, who would you rather see in, the Packers or the, the Seahawks? I'd probably rather see the Seahawks in. I'd rather see Jordan Love. No. I don't know that they I win know the they game, beat. though. Kyler's been playing great. Dude, this, team is, this team's tough. They're fucking up a lot of people's Sundays. They're going to fuck up this team's season, possibly. And um, Yeah, I think for, for Seattle... I, I tried to look at guys that, that it might be their last game. You know, Bobby Wagner, he's a UFA this, this year. Like, he had this second chapter Oofa. in Seattle. No, he's an he's a FA, not an UDFA. No, he's a uh, – he's a he's – a, um, He's a FA. He's a UFA, Kyle. He's a un – what's the word? Unrestricted. Unrestricted, unrestricted free agent. I can't get it because I'm thinking about UFA. He's an unrestricted free agent. So he can go anywhere after this year. He says he's not done playing, but is it going to be Seattle? Jason Peters is 41 years 41. old. He's still mm. playing offensive tackle. We wow. his Madden rating is in the low seventies. That's though. okay. A lot of guys work their whole lives to get a seventy something Madden rating. He's you been a I mean? ninety. He's been a ninety eight. Ninety. I'd be like if Trent were in Washington or in Jacksonville next year, and he was at seventy one. Well, it'd be it'd be like add another ten years too. I mean, you know, seven years. You know, like it's crazy to me that this guy's played this long, and like I know a lot of. Eagles fans, when he went down to Dallas, were like, he's dead to me. I'm like, he's not dead to me. I love Jason Peters, and Jason Peters is one of the best teammates and love football, and that's part of the reason why he's still playing, I know. And so it's hard to kick that habit. Is this going to be the last time we say do we see big JP? Oh. You know, a lot of people have forgotten about JP. I haven't forgot about JP. Legend. Um, absolute legend. And it's amazing for, for, for the Cardinals how Kyler has quieted the talk in some areas because, number one, they were tanking. Number two, you know, Kyler was, was trade bait, and you were like, yeah, it's probably not a tradable asset. And now he's back and – Looks healthy. You know, if a team's horny enough, like, they'd have to pay part of that contract. But he's pretty – he's played good. Yeah, he'll win you some ball games. Kyler and, Murray or Trevor Lawrence? If you could take one right now. Kyler Murray right Kyler now. Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody's mad at me right now listening You have to, to practice so much more. As a defense, you have to prepare for so much more when you're playing Kyler Murray. Here's the problem with Trevor Lawrence, and we'll, a lot of it's going to come up on Sunday. This is a big spot for him. The turnovers have been bad. They've been as bad as anybody in the league, and I've seen one year that's been really good and two that have been up and down, and one was a train wreck, but I blame that on Urban. Yep. So I, like, I'm not saying either guy's Joe, Joe Montana, but, but uh, I kind of like what Kyler showed me down the stretch He's here. growing up. Yeah, hopefully. Not vertically, though. Not vertically. That's over. Um, what's the next one? Denver at Las Vegas. Guys, a lot of times you see these, these quarterback farewell tours. You Big Ben, Brady retires, he unretires. Un- Everybody's all emotional. And I'm not hearing any emotion for Brian Hoyer. 
Okay, he's like 38 years old. He's, he's popped up in a million spots. Is this it for Brian Hoyer? Is he going to walk off the field and grab a clipboard and be a great OC for somebody or a quarterback whisperer? Like, I got a lot of respect for Brian I'll say Hoyer. say this about Hoyer. Yeah. He's got one of the quickest releases I've ever seen. Really? Yes. When he was on the Bears, he was the only Bears quarterback to throw for 300. It was like three games in a row. I think he threw for 400 one game. He was the first Bears quarterback ever to do that. Well, you were there. Yeah. I feel like I should remember that, but there were a lot of quarterbacks. McCown broke a Jim record. Jim Miller? Then, Jim Miller didn't? No, McCown broke Jim the Miller. record in 2014 against the Packers. Remember the Alshon Jeffrey catch in the corner of the yeah. end zone? Yeah. yeah. And then Hoyer came in in like 2016 or 17 and broke all the records. Was Hoyer cool? Good guy. But he it was obvious that he was like he's such a vet. He was Brady's backup. Yes. Like, that's how he works. Like, I couldn't even <laughs> fuck with him. Like, I fucked with everybody in the yeah. locker room, and I would just avoid yeah. fucking with Hoyer because he was on a mission. I want to shout out Brandon Bolden, who, you know, probably not getting talked about a lot this, this week or at all this year. I mean, he scored a touchdown against the Chargers. He was a teammate of mine in New England, a great teammate, and a guy who carved out an incredible career, uh, you know, on special teams and, and, and playing some offense. And, you know, like for running backs to last that long, it's, it's no – I mean, he's had to get down and dirty to to make some of those years happen, and and you know he's he's playing for the Raiders. He's in his thirties. Like, is this it for a guy like that? I know people at home are like, who the fuck cares? But I just Josh Jacobs is UFA, as you know, an UFA. Um, you know, like he might be done there. Devonte Adams should he be playing? If you're going to trade him next year, and that's like what you know, like maybe you don't play him this week. I, there's nothing that that guy needs to prove, and you run the risk. Also, we talked about the Bears earlier, Kyle, and the Bears-Packers and what's on the line in that game. Uh, why is Justin Fields playing? Yeah. Oh. Right? Because, well, hey. Let Beijing go. I thought I, I was going to be the contrarian with that question, but I, uh, it's going to be immediately shut down by its, its hate week, and Justin Fields one needs to see as many live reps as possible. Yeah, I've asked ten people the question. Nobody's had an answer. You got to play. I him. just gave you it's an the answer. Last game of the season. It doesn't matter. It's the last game of the season. You play him. Bears Packers, man. That, that is but the to me, and I agree that that might be the way things go. But ideally, is it the way things should go? No, with everything on the table. Okay. The last thing is the rumors, man. Because I think this is Antonio Pierce's job, but there are rumors that Harbaugh has connections with Davis. Man, if you hire anybody but Antonio Pierce next year, he better be the Caleb Williams of coaches, okay? Because you already did this with uh, Rich Passaccia. Mm-hmm. You can't do it again, man. I, I you know, nobody's Mark gonna be Davis watching knows this that. Game. He's the first one to tell you that. He said, you know, I fucked up. Yeah. the last time around, I will, I will not fuck this one up. Broncos two and zero since being mean to Russell Wilson. <laughs> Okay, next Thug- next game. Okay, next game. Work. Next game. Next game. Brian Hoyer's first name is Axel. You know who was a thug? Fucking O'Hare's dad. Yeah. Butch's dad. He made it right. There's though. still hope for Sean Payton. He made it right. Okay. Uh Chargers. The Chiefs are at the Chargers. Yep. Yep. It'd be a nice trip to Los Angeles. Here's what's fun about this game. I'll tell you a reason to watch this game. Giff Smith could beat Andy Reid. You know, like 
You could, <laughs> he could have that on his wall the rest of his life. Oh, were they playing everybody? It's like PJ. Don't Walker worry about it, Tom. <laughs> what? It's like PJ Walker beating Brady in the exactly. Box. Like this is special stuff. I can remember when PJ beat Brady, and we talked about this. I'll never forget. He should. He should. He should talk about this the rest of his life. Th- does Does he give himself the game ball if he beats? He Andy should. Reed? Would that be legendary? <laughs> uh, if there's me. a lot of guys here that. But it's me, guys, and you blew that game against Buffalo. We should have won that game. Um, but that's, that's, that's fun for me. And for the Chiefs, I think when you talk about resting people, I cannot argue with, with resting Mahomes, but I do feel some kind of way about resting most of the guys on offense. I, I do not think it would be wise not to get these guys some work in a scenario that means nothing. You rest Mahomes, you rest Kelsey. Maybe you rest Kelsey, but you you, rest, all those you rest Pacheco, all those other motherfuckers. The guys, other than that, they're going. We're throwing the ball a million times. Yes, and the offensive line's got to protect and look good doing it. And, and they're going to practice their nuts off all week. And he, that and, Andy's going to do that. And here's one of it's kind of like the Mike Evans thing. This could be Keenan Allen's last game as a Charger. That guy's been special there and done everything right. And when I think about those two guys, I think about not only – when you think about wide receivers as a lineman, you're always like, ah, oh, divas, like the whole thing. Those guys are – I wish they were D linemen. They fucking yeah. – they got that attitude. They're great teammates. They say all the right things. They do all the right things. They're big targets, and they've lasted a long time in this league playing at a high level. I, I want to see them both escape uh, next year. Yeah, this is probably the last meaningless Kansas City-Los Angeles Chargers game we're going to see in quite In quite a while, Kyle. The Chargers are going to get a great coach. I'm sure of it. Um, and obviously they got Justin Herbert. We're going to be looking at Mahomes and Herbert. Herbert. We're going to be looking at maybe Harbaugh versus Reed. We're going to be looking at maybe Belichick versus Reed. These are great matchups. And Reed's not going to be in the league forever, so soak it up. You get a bye week on the meaningful Chiefs Chargers, but next year it's on. Next year. Chargers might win one. Browns, Browns are at the Bengals. Bengals favored by seven points. Uh, the Browns have signed Jeff Driscoll this week to play quarterback for some reason. guy got a big old ass. I mean, what, what, yeah. We make fun of Ryan Clark's right. ass on Inside the NFL because he, he's got pants that, uh, that ride up his calves because his ass is just, uh-huh. he, he can't, when he sits down, he almost falls over. Oh. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, Ryan Clark's got nothing on Jeff Driscoll. Jeff he's, Driscoll is, is thick as well as uh, Jacoby <laughs> Brissett. Oh, he's thick too. Also very thick. They might just, yeah, if, the, if Driscoll. Is thick, but don't beat me up. Okay, anyways. Ken Griffey Jr. is. So Jeff Driscoll is going to play quarterback for the, the Browns, who are resting people, obviously. And I think from talking to my buddies on the Bengals throughout the year, I think this means a lot to them how they finish. I think they've got that kind of team. And so if you're a gambler, I, I, I look at Cincy, and this number's ballooned to seven. I teased them earlier this week with a couple other teams, and I should have just took it at five, but it's at seven. This, this game means nothing but this could be T, T. Higgins' last game in Cincy. It could be Boyd's last game in Cincy. It could be DJ Reader's last game in Cincy. Off the injury, he's up. So it's a little look into the future, you know. And um, Can the Bengals hold up? It's a winning season or a losing season. Yeah. <laughs> nine and eight or eight and nine. Yeah, that may, in, in 18 years, Taylor could be the guy that's like, I haven't had a losing season in a long time. It starts now. You got it. All right, your favorite game oh, of the week, Chris. Oh, oh. Je- New York Jets at New England Patriots. <laughs> I put a sectional on the Pats. I'm the biggest Pats fan in the world this week. Not you fucking guys in Braintree got nothing on me. Uh, Why? 
because I, I just I'm a big Bill fan, and if this is the last one, I want him to beat the dog shit out of the Jets. This is his favorite team to beat the dog shit out of. Um, this is a spot where if Bill's leaving, he could pull. If Lovey Smith can do it, Bill can do it. He could be thinking, I'm going down to, to coach in D.C. for the Washington Commanders. Like, he is an inside man right now <laughs> for all intents and purposes. He, he, he goes out and does what he needs to do, beats the Jets. Uh, I told you I'm going to pick it in locks in a little bit, but I cannot wait for this game. Uh, there are going to be games with playoff implications, and I'm going to be like, Reed, put this game on the big TV. Could, just, be, yeah. could be Zach Wilson's last game, too. Well, Robert on the bench, Solid yeah. Like- Anyways. Here's the deal. It's Slater's last game. Legend. He's an absolute legend. He's one of the best teammates I've ever had. He's one of the best players I've ever played with. You're going to tell me before the game, Robert Kraft comes down to Bill and is like, we got to lose this game, Bill. And Bill walks in the locker room and looks at Matthew Slater. What's he going to do? He's going to go out and beat these guys. So, And this is a funny deal that you know a lot of people are speculating this week that it's going to come down to a coin toss. It's not. That's fake news. So, you know, like there'd have to be 20 scenarios – like basically that that all tie for you to hit a coin toss. They're not going to do it. If you're a Pats fan and you want the number one pick, you got to lose, and here's who you should be rooting for because there are so many scenarios. I'll try to simplify it as much as I can for you. You should be rooting for the Falcons. I can't tell you why. You should be rooting for the Ravens. I can't tell you why, okay? But could you imagine if the Falcons, who are on the ass end of 28-3, are the team that delivers the New England Patriots the next generational quarterback <laughs> – by winning uh, the lowly NFC South, or just winning a game for no reason. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. I love football. I love football week 18. This is crazy. My brain is not big enough for this conversation. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So with that having been said, we have covered all the week 18 scenarios. I think uh, we've hit the incentives. We've hit the previews. Uh, we're about to get into Stanford Steve. He's going to tell us a little bit about the Rose Bowl. Kyle. What a place. The Rose Bowl is the best. It is the best. They should play the Super Bowl there. Like we talked about, they should build. Like they did at Soldier Field where they they retrofitted uh, new suites on there. Chris said just put scaffolding up once a year. I say fuck it. Just hire the best architect and have them put up, him or her, put up uh, whatever suite level you want at the Rose Bowl. What's happening to America? And also I heard Stephen A. Smith bitching about how long it takes to get to the Rose Bowl, and he was like, I had to sit in traffic for hours, and if they would have given me a helicopter, I would have taken it. He lives in New York. You could have been the – you're just the most unrelatable human being. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. Who doesn't like the Rose Bowl? Kyle, when Baker Mayfield used to do the commercials I'll where he was living in L.A. all day. He was living in the Cleveland Stadium. Mm-hmm. If you gave me a choice of all the stadiums to live in, it's the Rose Bowl. It's the Rose Bowl, number one. And then last is Mine's Ford Qualcomm. Field. Qualcomm. Nobody's there. Qualcomm's great. Yeah, you could have your own post-apocalypse. You park on, like, hole number nine at the Rose Bowl. Really? It's right. It's literally on a golf course. So you'd park at the golf course. You could it's walk true. outside, hit the links. Between the I trees. tailgated on like, on like a green. It's a beautiful piece of grass. Never oh. happened. The, the city of Pasadena will never allow that, though. Here, here's the deal, guys. Let me ask you this. We're going into this game. What's on your mind Monday with the college football uh, playoff championship? Me and Macon are going to talk to Steve about it, but I want to hear what you got. Washington, <laughs> Michigan. Well, <laughs> I, I was uh, privy to um, my six-year-old saying that Michigan is playing on a Monday, and M for Michigan, M for Monday. So it sounds like oh, it sounds like I take Michigan. That's a smart, smart kid. kid. Um, yeah, I just think it's uh, it's 
one of those years where the wind is in the sails of the Michigan Wolverines, and I feel like it's it, you, the same can be said for Michael Penix and the I, Washington Huskies. Who's the team of, of destiny? They've man, won a know? lot of close games, but both these teams have reason to believe that they are the team of destiny. Can I tell you? Go ahead. I'm going to be the studio book okay. for this game. I'm going to set the line at 18 and a half for pass attempts. For Michigan. And I think that's really interesting. You said that earlier. And I think if Washington covers or wins, that that goes over. But it, the other way, you could almost hedge this thing a little bit. I'm just laying down one line. You can't. No, yeah. There's no hedging over here with this book. No, you're right. <laughs> Guys, can I tell you something? This is really. I got uh, Michigan. This is a. I, I got. I got. Check it out with Steve in a second. But, but, the whole Lank thing, okay, and. Naysayers. The naysayers yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. I was so petrified of the conversation that I didn't even understand what was happening. The minute I knew that there was a word that might be involved in the, the bit, I just like didn't even look at the tweets about it. So all this time, I didn't understand that the joke was that Lank actually doesn't stand for let a naysayer know. all N-words muted on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> okay. You found a way. <laughs> yeah. So... Twitter. Yeah, Not Kevin doesn't even know what the like What's thing is. Tweet, tw- the don't, don't even look at the it. Twitter. Yeah, don't even the look tweets. at it. But I'm sitting here this morning, and I'm like, wait a second. Wait just a minute. Lank doesn't stand for let a naysayer know. I thought that was the joke, was that, you know, like. We get in on some branding, let a cracker know. Yeah, no. No. Lack. <laughs> no. People would buy it. But I, I've been on Let the outside. Let a Caucasian know. Let a Caucasian know. Let a Caucasian know. Let a Caucasian know. Let a know. Uh, anyways, here's uh, Stanford Steve. We're going to go through our locks. And, uh, and, uh, uh-oh, Chris. What? Uh-oh, Chris. What? Monday is, is National Upside Down Day, and a W Upside Down is an M. Oh, so I guess it's oh, Washington. No! Oh, my God. Well, what about an M upside yeah, down? Yeah, it works w. both ways, dude. What are you talking about? You're saying Monday, the day of the week. Well, but M is Monday. Yeah, Monday would be the W upside down is now the M. It was always the Wolverines. All right, well. Uh, Thank you, guys. Here's Steve. Game day is the perfect pizza day. So make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. Order online during our pizza pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. To have your NFL game day covered, choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. It's a pizza pizza win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, order your Little Caesars, and enjoy during the games. Steve, you look like you got some sun, dude. <laughs> Pink fu- Steve. Yeah. <laughs> for as far as we could take it. Uh, I did make it a point for the first half while the sun was out at the Rose Bowl to be on the Alabama side because that's where the sun was. And yeah. I figured it was going to be a while till I got some sunshine. But, man, it felt great. The setting there obviously lived up to everything. The game, the uniforms, helmets, pregame. Uh, I did – Notice Michigan tried being the intimidator early, Chris. Uh, you'll know this. Like I, during pregame, you have your sides of the field, right? And then on the team's sideline, they call it the long side, so the punters could go back to the 40. Mm-hmm. And so on the Alabama sideline, the punter's getting loose. 
and the receivers come out and they just line up and catch balls from their coach right in the line of the snap. Oh, that's so beautiful. Like, like it, it was just in like not moving. Roman Wilson there, not moving. Alabama coaches got to get the refs involved. So like this is. God, this is like 70 minutes before kick. You could already feel the tension of how these guys were going to go at each other. Um, lived up to the billing. I thought Michigan was was damn impressive in what they'd done. I'm sure we'll have more questions about it. Uh, but I, I, th- I truly thought the better team won. Tell me this. What, what was up with the snaps? Because I asked Cole, and by the way, great job getting us a pinch hitter for you, Cole. was Cole Kublik was tremendous. I thought they did a great job on the cube cast. Mm-hmm. As I'm calling it, uh, Saturday, uh, whatever night, Monday night, it, uh, yeah, with I don't Washington know what day it and is Texas. Either. Yeah, dude, it's like totally wacko right now. <laughs> um, but uh, but what what was up with the the snaps, dude? It's been a year long problem. I know. It, it's it's amazing to me that a program of that stature uh, has had this issue and dealt with it, and then you see McLaughlin goes right into the portal as soon as he can after the game. So I don't. I guess the depth depth was an issue there, but to constantly deal with that. I mean, you watch Alabama game week after week after week. It was always there, and it's just another factor when you have a quarterback. I said it about Jalen Milrow after the loss to Texas. The dude needed reps. So what was he going to get? He was going to get when he finally got the job. He's going to get reps under under fire, and you add to that a pre-snap deal that he has to worry about. That sucks. Yeah, it sucks and. It hurts your offensive line. It messes up timing there. But most of all, your quarterback in his eyes. There's certain things you want to see, and if you got to be concentrating, I mean, I'm sure I'm surprised a couple times his knee didn't go to the ground. Yeah, you know how low they were, and then you look at the timing of it. They get the momentum back. Uh, they get the lead. They get a first down, and then two straight snaps. They lose 20 yards. It's uh, it it was really really costly. Uh, but if you watched Alabama all year, you knew it was a problem. And it, it, they never overcame it, and it got them in, in the worst circumstance, even including the last snap of the game. I think it was amazing to see Harbaugh go backed up. Uh, I know that maybe a lot of coaches might do that in today's, in today's uh, you know, game of football, but to, to stare down that moment of truth like that early in the game, right, relatively speaking, at the end of the game, you, you didn't punt and say, hey, we're going to get three stops and get the ball back. You were like, hey, it ends now or – or it doesn't, and I thought that was a huge moment. And just you know, as as somebody's watched Alabama for for years, like them having a seven point lead in the fourth quarter in that type of ball game and yeah. not being able to win it, mm-hmm. it, it says something. And you know, the 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 depth issues up front that lead to them not being able to. You had a month before the bowl game yep. to figure the snap thing out. They couldn't do it. That tells me something. It it, it to me. Um, it signifies it's another shred of evidence that tells us the playoffs are going to be more fun in the future because the game has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, Bama's human. Georgia's still amazing, but they beat Georgia. The yep. parody is pretty good this year. And, you know, if you're Danny Cannell, you're sitting there and saying, hey, what about us? So there's, we're going to be able to find out what about us for a lot of teams in the next couple of years, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I just, again, on Michigan, Chris, going back to the first half, I went back and – and broke it down. Hoping to do a, a breakdown on game day this week on it. But you go back. They they almost get picked off on the first play of the game. They have the fumble punt. They go down seven nothing. And like if if you didn't have the gold pants on, there might you might have saw some pee coming down. You know some of those pants. <laughs> but that drive, they run the counter toss to Corum where they 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 
They execute perfectly with an X block with the motion guy, knowing it was going to be man coverage. He takes the outside guy. Wide receiver takes the slot corner, and Corum never breaks stride. That's 21 yards. The next third down, it's third down and eight. They run quarterback run design with an unbelievable crack block on the defensive end, Braswell, who's the strongest guy in Alabama. They get seven yards, sets up a fourth and one. They run wedge from the gun and absolutely blow Bama off the ball. The next second down, McCarthy gets out of pressure, throws a dime to Mullings on the sideline, another first down, and then the execution of the, of the I call a tailback opposite, uh, for the quorum touchdown. Both tight ends are on the left. They get through that line of scrimmage clean, and that sets up the whole wall where Alabama defenders have to run o- run over, run through, run under, whatever you want. They can't do it. Touchdown, 7-7 game, and then that thing was all Michigan, uh, except for their offense in the third quarter. I thought Bama did a great job in the, sec- in the third quarter, but they couldn't do it when it counted. Uh, he didn't have crazy stats. I really was impressed with McCarthy, man. When he, when he needed to make throws, he did. The, the, the athleticism to catch that double pass, that's a disaster. And he takes a shot. He wasn't right the last five plays after that play. But um, I, I, I li- really liked what I saw from McCarthy uh, on that stage in that circumstance. How good a pro is McCarthy? You know, I heard McShay talking about him uh, on Marcillo's pod. He, he thinks uh, he's going to get up into that first round. Uh, and – you watch him, it's it's hard. Like, he's going to be one, you know, you always heard Todd talk about dissecting the tape and, and even going furthermore because now you got to watch what's around him, right? But but I also think you also could just take halves of football and throw them out like at Penn State. Supposedly he got dinged up in the second quarter. They were worried about Chop Robinson against that right tackle. They didn't want to get a strip sack. It was a one-possession game, and they ran the ball. Uh, the Iowa game, I think you throw that out where they just started to piece that line together after they lose Zinter against Ohio State. The Ohio State game, I thought he was great with his feet creating throws. Uh, his arm strength, I, I wouldn't say elite, but it's strong. Uh, I think his game wherewithal, his awareness is very good. Uh, I think he has a – I mean, watching what we are on Sundays uh, the last couple weeks with quarterbacks, I, I'll take a shot with J.J. McCarthy, no doubt. So, what do you think, Macon, Steve? What do we think Monday night? Because for me, it's really hard, and I kind of hate this for Michigan because, you know, I got nothing against Michigan. I'm yep. really excited to see Michigan in it. I'm excited to see Jim Harbaugh in it. Uh, and you're talking to a guy that hated playing him two times a year in San Francisco. Is he prickly? Is he a guy that people might not like? Is he a guy that's fucking awkward as hell? Yeah, but I respect him. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see them in this spot. I, I, I wanted to see them in this spot. But against Washington, it's really hard for me to root for Michigan because it's almost like that us-against-the-world team in Michigan yeah. with all the stuff they've been dealing with, self-imposed or not. And then the other side of it, it's Washington who feels that they got that team of destiny thing. So, like, who are you rooting for and how do you think it plays out? Uh, I'm a Michigan man, guys. <laughs> and yet... That trio of receivers, McMillan, Polk, Odunze. Odunze is insane. They're too much fun. And I, and I really don't want to have the off-season of Connor Stallions. Mm. We had the season of Connor Stallions. I don't really want the off-season of Connor Stallions. So, yeah, I, um, I don't think – I can't go wrong as a Michigan fan growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I might be pulling for the purple and gold 
fellas. The I'm classic, pulling for the purple uh, and gold, baby. The Big Ten team, Washington. Yeah. A couple things on it. I, I, I get where both you guys are coming from. Uh, I, I do uh, not agree with the thinking of Michigan deserves all this sympathy. I think that locker room is just built up differently and know, knew what they were going to be up against, and you saw them play with that veracity against Alabama. I do like the matchup for Michigan. Uh, when you go back and look at it, the way they they didn't do anything crazy defensively, disguising stuff. They just you know simulated pressure here. Uh, you know different. They play eight guys up front. You know, and then you look at Penix. How much time some of these plays have to take to develop? I think Dylan Johnson, the running back. They say he's going to play. I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent. He's been really good for them in pass pro. You need all those things against Michigan because there's the other thing. Alabama didn't have one yard gained by a receiver after a catch in that game. That tells me two things. The throws weren't great and accurate, and also Michigan does a hell of a job tackling. And sometimes you think, you know, it's that old saying that it looks like they have more than 11 guys on the field, but they are great communicating. I think they play great together. Again, I think it's hard to do in this day and age when you play so many guys up front and having so many guys on the same page. So I like Michigan. I think their, their offense will be effective enough to keep Washington's defense, who, again, I thought was the most under-talked about unit in the whole playoff, and they did enough to win. They made a play at the end of the game to get it. Should they have been in that spot? You go back and do clock management, all that, whatever. They were in that spot, and they made the play at the end with their defense. So I think it's a lot on Washington's defense again. I think I think the other thing, too, Chris, is literally a week, a week in between, not an extra day here, not two days extra. Like, it is a straight game week with this game of the magnitude, and both those games were as taxing as I can remember. When you're talking about what's at stake, what's ahead of you, what you had to put into this game, I think the, the the start of this game, if Washington can ever, you know, hit a couple things early and get Michigan maybe on their heels, that's a big thing because you know as we've seen, Michigan's uh, comfortable in a tight game. Washington has lived in tight games, so I think the start of this game is enormous. But right now, I, I lean Michigan because of the totality of what they bring up front. I get it. Washington won the Joe Moore Award. They deserved it. But this is a whole different animal when you're talking about the stakes and how many guys that they're going to see. Yeah, I think my biggest question is this, Steve, and I'm just going back through some of the college football finals and, and wondering because I, I would I would lean Washington to cover at least, and I'm rooting for them to win because of the quarterback. I think, you know, Penix, people seen it all year, but you get a chance to see that guy on national stage. It kind of reminds you of, of the C.J. Stroud thing. Where yeah, C.J. Stroud had to change the way he played a little bit because of who they were playing, and he and he he delivered on the big stage. Penix has been this guy all year, right? Like he's yeah. made throws like this all year, and people just got to see it because of the Pac-12 thing. I think you know, there's a lot of people that don't watch those games. I, I look at this game and I say, who's the better quarterback? But then I look at every college football playoff uh, championship, and that's not always the thing that plays out. Mm -hmm. You know, Stetson Bennett. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, there, there's, there's all types of situations over the past five, seven years where the, 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 the guy that went on to be the better pro mm -hmm. didn't win the game. And so, you know, like, I'm not so sure, but I, I would lean Washington. Okay. I, I, um, I get it. Again, I just feel like they're going to get pretty public. 
also. No question. You so know, I'm not gonna like, be I'm not gonna be going big you. on this thing. No, 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 no. I no, I, I yeah. get what you're coming from. Again, can they do it for a full sixty? If if Michigan makes them one dimensional, that's the one thing. Now I will say this: inside, you know, no conditions. That offense is pretty damn scary when yeah. you look at what they've done the last two games. I forgot is Energy Field back to turf grass? I think it's I think it it was grass when I played there. I think it's grass. So yeah, I think it's grass. I think that's an advantage for Michigan. But um, again, Penix on this stage, and I I think he was dinged up. You know, after that Oregon game, uh, I think the receivers you saw them not be able to what they 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 do an unbelievable job with that. I call it bunches. You know the the trips, you know trip bunches yeah. with the guy in the line of scrimmage, and what what guy motions the different uh, pattern combos they run off of that, uh, and they do a great job with their quick screen games. You know, um, you know, I, I forgot. Oh, I was listening uh, to their offensive coordinator talk about the game against Texas and how do you offset the defensive tackles? All right, we're going to throw a quick screen, and we're not going to run sweep or jet sweep. We're just going to throw it out there and make them run and, and get it. And Washington does a great job of always getting pot. They never lose. You know, sometimes you see those plays get blown up by great yeah. corner play, and Michigan has that. But but Washington's done a great job of always getting positive, positive yards on those kind of plays. So that's like a little matchup inside the game where I think if – if Michigan blows them up, is it second eleven, or does Washington get a couple where it's second and six? You know, th- those are the things where I th- where I think you add up. But I- I'm really being impressed uh, in person. You know, for the Ohio State game and and the uh, the Rose Bowl with Mentor, the DC for Michigan, they they do a really really good job because it's not crazy complicated. Uh, but they but they are effective and they are so damn aggressive that they 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 make you. Uh, make decisions really quick, and we'll see if Panic is ready for that. Steve, who are going to be the best three players on the field Monday night? Oof. Uh, Adunze for sure. Probably Penix and Will Johnson, the Michigan corner. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and, and so and that's the side of the ball that's going to decide the game, right? You just mentioned yes. it. Like, and if you probably went to the fourth best player, you might be staying on the Michigan defensive side of the ball. Correct. Or you might say Blake Corum's in there somewhere. But the bottom line is, and I thought, and is the last thing we'll say because we got to get to locks, but you know, I thought Penix in that game, not knowing a ton about their offensive line, but knowing that he hasn't taken that many sacks. You wonder what would happen when the rubber met the road and you play those big guys inside for Texas and you talk about the negative plays. Texas actually took the negative plays throughout the night. And so I think that's a great point. Like Washington stays on schedule and somehow Penix has not been sacked a ton and the test is going to be a big one. So let's talk about these locks. And I was just alerted today. Guys, don't kill the messenger. These guys behind the camera said, are we doing locks through the playoffs? And I said, what did we do last year? And they said, we did locks through the playoffs. So I didn't know that, and I was about to concede. We, we, had, we had talked about I think Steve brought that up a couple of weeks ago yeah. when, he was, when he was down, and he yeah. confirmed that we were doing it through the playoffs. So Great. Good. It's good to not be out of it. I almost had the, the, the clean sweep. Megan and I were texting Saturday, or Sunday night, uh, Minnesota and, uh, and Green Bay, and I swear, dude, that over should have hit. I was trying to fade Macon. <laughs> Macon got that under in before the Jaron Hall announcement yep. and got that W. So Macon and Steve still in the lead at 28. Uh, so you guys 20... went two and one. I went one and two? No, Macon went one and two. Uh, you went one and two. I went two and one. 
And if it hadn't been for that damn how about fade pick. How about the Bengals not covering? Come on. <laughs> now, Chris, when I looked at the doc last night, it said Steve had gone 0-3. That's incorrect. Yeah, because he did hit the under on the Saints and the yeah. uh, and and the Bucks. I Rocking mean, I, chair I was I was eyeballing this stuff because I was really hoping to go for a three and O and then an O and three from you guys, <laughs> and I'd be right back in it. But little did I know, there's a precedent for continuing on into 2024. So I'm alive, baby. Hold uh, on now, hold yeah. on now, a minute, player. Yeah. I'm not done with what I had to say. Uh, I then alerted the crew that there had been a mistake. Um, and I, I said that Steve's record needed to reflect 28-22-1, and one, uh, not 27-23-1. and one. Um, it, was a, it was a reporting uh, that harmed me. I think win, lose, or draw, I should at least be awarded the Lady Bing uh, Award for this particular competition. Send you a it's nice a, pat on the back. It's a sportsmanship award. Yeah. Don't break your arm patting yourself on the back. No, nah, but you know what? That is out of character, and you should pat yourself on the back for that, Macon. So let's start out with the bottom dweller for now, who's uh, who's hot, boy. He was, he was oh, hot boy. this weekend. How All about right. some of these lines, though? Come on. Oh, it's this is a fun weekend. I'm this not, is unreal. I am far from short on games that I want to play this weekend. I, I looked up last night. I'm like, you have put 10 bets in, okay? And Green. one of them I put in twice, okay? I put it in. And then I was like, you know what? I like it so much. I'm going to put it in again. And that's the New England Patriots. I don't care if the line's seven. I got the Pats. Bill's last game. We'll talk about it in the previews. But I got the Pats. And not necessarily Bill's last game. But just in case. And it's the Jets. I got the Pats. Okay. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to do another total. I may be unbeaten in totals. I'm going Vegas. I'm going Denver, and I'm going under. That's a good call. What do you got there? 38 and a half. Ooh, that's high. Huh. What is my number? 38. 38. 38. So he's got Vegas and Denver under 38. What you got, Steve-O? I'm going to take – they've been as good to me as anybody. I'm sticking with them. They're an underdog. Green Bay's got stuff to play for. Give me the Bears. They won four or five. They're averaging – over 27 points a game in those game uh, in those five games. Uh, I love what they bring to the table. My man Flus getting it right, uh, and Fields is playing great. So all the pressures on the Packers. We know the history of it. Give me the Bears. You keeping Fields? We just got done talking about this. <laughs> I GM knew I was going to have to answer this if I gave the Bears. Uh <laughs> It's a simple I, question, Steve. I know, but it's a really, really – I, think, I think it's a hard answer because I have been invested with Fields back to his Ohio State days. Yeah. But you have Caleb Williams. And like I said, I thought I said on this pod, can we just draft both quarterbacks? Well, that's what we three? said, too. That's what yeah. we said, too. So, now, anyway. They have all, right, all good. three, and now you're really set up. Now you're set up. So, you know uh, – and we know how the two quarterback system works every time. Works yeah. great. All right. So, anyways, I'll go two. I thought this would be gone by now, but give me the. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm. Give me the Bills. Give me the Bills, wow. fellas. Give me the Bills. Minus minus three, dude. Circle the wagons, for Boomer. All right. Hey, hey, you know Ernst and Young, the accounting firm. We've got Ernst and Dumb over here, all right? <laughs> Trying to give my man Steve an 0-3 week for crying out loud. 
I'll take the one you thought was going to be gone, Chris. The Detroit Lions. And I'll buy the half point to three. I didn't Minnesota. think that was going to be gone. I didn't think that was going to be gone. Um, that's not on my list. Okay, so Steve, you're up. Pick two. I know they don't have Lamar playing. Give me the Ravens plus four. I love that pick. Love it. Give it to me. They're not giving in against Steelers the Steelers. are going to be totally public. Unless they unless they want to give in against the Steelers to eliminate Josh Allen. Not that that's a certainty no. at that at that juncture in, on Sunday. But no. Okay, my third pick, and I am torn here. I've got a total that I love that I'll tell you about in a moment, but uh, I'm going to take the Titans, uh, and I'm going to buy to six. I absolutely love this play. When six. Mike Vrabel was asked about it, Mike Vrabel said, uh, we're not worried about it being the last game of the season. It just sucks to lose. So that's what motivates us. And I think he wants to put all that suck <laughs> on, uh, on, on Trevor Lawrence and, and Doug Peterson. Okay. All right. You know, Dallas isn't playing until later, so Detroit's going to have to win the game. No question. They're going to be playing lose. hard. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. How'd that go the last time they played? It was kind of tight, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they're all pissed off, you know? Okay, got it. They got some suck to get off themselves. Yeah, you got to you know get the saying? suck off. Yeah. All right. I'm, uh, I'm going to the desert. Arizona, Seattle, over. <laughs> Icky, dude. Uh, 40, how many people? Forty-eight oh. points. Wow. Over. You, you've got you've got some of the ickiest least bet games, which is a great strategy. Uh, Vegas and Denver and Arizona, Seattle. Yep. All right, Steve-O, what you got? You know, I'm looking at the Rams Niner game, and I hate to say it because both guys have had their time, but I'd love to get an over under and pick sixes in this game between Sam Darnold and Carson Wentz. Like, you know. Two? Uh, one and a half? One and a half. One and a half. I'll take the over on one and a half. Okay. I just feel it. And, like, I'm leaning the over. I don't want that. Um, so, Carson's throwing two? Because Darnold's the next quarterback for somebody next year, dude. I'm telling you. Come on. I like Darnold. I do, too. I love the guy. Came in against Baltimore. You're like, all right, here we go. Got a yeah. chance. Then a pick. Yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> Man, these quarterback matchups, these totals, good for you guys having confidence. Give me the Raiders at home, minus three. Okay. All righty. Hey, here's like the that. total. This is the total of the week in my book. It's and is in obviously something I'm giving out because I'm out of out of wins here. But Texans Colts over forty seven. Over forty seven and a half. I'm already on that. Um I think is that some the other, one you bet twice? No, the one I bet twice was the Pats. I'm the biggest Pats okay. fan in the world this weekend. <laughs> Do it for Bill. If okay? Pats played the Eagles, you're rooting for the Pats this week. Got it. Probably. I mean, I like, <laughs> like you know, if the Cowboys are going to dr drag the the Commanders, like uh, I, I just don't want to see Bill go out a loser if he's going out. And yeah. I I know he wants to beat the damn Jets. And so you know, think about this one. He wants to be the coach for the Commanders. <laughs> if that's a possibility. This is a, a tailor-made Lovey Smith special. If Lovey Smith could do it, what do you think? Do you think Bill could do it? Bill's going to do it. Okay. All right. So I'm buying my half point with the Titans. Uh, you know, Macon's bought his half point with the Lions, and Steve has bought his half point he where? He hasn't bought one yet, yeah. And, Steve, I got Raiders at minus two and a half, so you get an extra half point there. Uh, the Bears are going to win this game. I'll take the or Bears. Or they're not. Bears, uh, plus, yeah. Bears uh, plus three and a half, right? Okay. 
Yeah. I, I love me some Bears. I might be a Bears fan. I might buy the, the Ravens to the four, but you think the Ravens are going to win the game. Four and a half. All right, so, Steve, thank you. Uh, I, I was – I had a whole – here, I had this whole, like, guys, the locks have been fun. I don't think they fully reflect my gambling prowess, the whole thing. You guys are lucky. Macon just looks at survivor pools and, and fades whatever the most public pick is. Um, and it's been fun. But actually, we get to keep going. Yeah. All right. Wait, so I'll on. see you guys next week. Same like, time, same place. Super Bowl week. Do we come up with three picks somehow? Or yep. No. Yeah. I think, I think, I think didn't, we, didn't we stop? Where did we stop last we, year? We did Super Bowl last year. Oh, we did Super Bowl. Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it. Props, we'll do it right? live. All right. Get some exotics. Is Virginia playing hoops that day? Get them in. Maybe. Get, them Get some exotics in. Speaking of exotics, uh, that's, that's Stanford Steve signing off. Steve, it's been fun. I can't wait to get to Houston and hear all the hello Houston or whatever jokes there are. Shout out to the branch. Shout out to the branch as always. All right. Make take it, care. I miss you. I love you. All I right. miss you and I love you, okay. Steve. Go Duke. Take care. Fuck off. <laughs> Thank you.